never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that is prepared for any situation because we have our Sith Army Knife. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. What's up, man? Here, uh, not much. I think I've seen a couple uh, meme examples of that, especially with uh, Ray in that nightmare scene from Rise of Skywalker. I wish I had a Sith Army knife. That's all I gotta <laughs> say. <laughs> well, whatever gets you to the high ground, I guess. Um, so, so first off, before we get started, Peter, this is. Um, Hey, dude, it's episode 200, man. Um, it's crazy. I know. Uh, I guess congrats to you. Pat on the back. Um, Does that know, mean we've uh, been doing this for, like, four years? We've been doing... <laughs> uh, actually, what's really weird is counting this out is episode 200 does not land on our four-year anniversary, bizarrely. We it's actually like three and a half or something? We, in a, in a, no, it actually it, it lands, like, three weeks shy of our four-year anniversary. Okay. Interesting. That's that's good though. That's crazy. I didn't even realize we've been doing it this long. So which I thought that Always was weird, awesome. but counting, I guess. But yeah, we've been doing this for two hundred consecutive um, uh, weeks, which is absolutely crazy. And where we've taken breaks, most people have not noticed that we've taken breaks. Um, <laughs> the um, what's interesting about this is that when we started this endeavor. Um, I don't think, I think there were a lot of people that didn't believe we were going to do this and they were very like, oh, here's a project that's going to only last them about six months, you know? Um, and I don't think people expected us. They didn't take, I don't think they took me seriously when I said I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> I'll say as uh, a self-admitted like project ab- ab- abandoner, like I feel like I start a lot of creative projects and, uh, don't stick with them, but I feel like this has been one of the easier ones and I don't mean to disparage our own podcast, but it's just me and you hanging out every week talking about stuff we like, and it's not like, I don't know, I never thought it, we weren't going to stick with it, but I am really glad we've been doing it this long, if that makes sense. <laughs> I know, agreed. So, real quick, we would not be here if it wasn't for the listeners, for sure, and we also wouldn't be here if it wasn't for some people behind the scenes. Uh, Ryan, who helped us with our editing for such a long time, he's, on, he's on a... Um, questionable hiatus right now because his kid was born and he's gotten really busy because of that. So we're not 100% sure if he's coming back, but we wouldn't be here without him. So Ryan, big shout out. Thank you so much to getting us to this point or helping us get to this point. And then the other one is uh, our cousin, Brian. He helped us with the website design. He helped me Mm -hmm. figure out the web storage. He helped me figure out the output in terms of posting it and getting it sent to iTunes and um, Google and like wherever else it had to go. Um, he was a huge component to the technical side of that. 
Um, and he made it very easy for me to figure out some of the behind the scenes stuff. So like Peter and I are very self-sufficient moving stuff around, but we couldn't get there without these two guys in the background helping us out. So huge thanks to those guys. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, congratulations, Peter, on episode 200, and we'll be celebrating our four-year anniversary in a couple weeks. Um, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so because it's a milestone episode, we wanted to do something special, and we reached out to a lot of people to try and join us, but schedules were not meshing, but the one guy who said he could come on was our brother, Sean. So, Sean, you've been on the show before. I'd like to welcome you back to the show. So, hello, welcome. <laughs> Yo, happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Sean, um, I appreciate you coming on, so thanks for joining us. Um, we're going to try and do a normal show, like always, so feel free to jump in where you need to, and then we'll talk about the list tonight, which we're kind of making a little bit of a game, so this could be a longer than normal episode. Um, so yeah, uh, you guys ready to kind of roll with this? Um, yeah, Peter, yeah let's do um, it. Uh, Sean, I know that we were talking prior to the show about a bunch of Star Wars stuff you've been catching up on because the back end of our show is primarily Star Wars. If you make your review short, you can dive deep later on if that's cool, just to try and get us to the list because <laughs> I know the list is going to take a while to discuss tonight. Um, so um, let's start with you, since you haven't been on the show for a while, Sean. What uh, what have you been watching, reading, keeping up with? I have been reading, uh, watching a ton, um, but I'm actually, like, behind on about, uh, it looks like, eight books, and I've only cracked, like, two of them. Um, still at the same <laughs> spot right. in the Silmarillion. Haven't even touched that for so long. Um, but uh, I started watching this new show. Got through the first season of it. It's called The Circle. I think it's on Netflix. It was. It's like a this. In, um, it's actually kind of interesting because it's like a survivor take on like a social media situation. And there's like a super tiny. It's almost like a land version of uh, a social media like platform or whatever. And okay. they like vote each other off at the end of each day or something. So like you have to be like the best friend to everybody in order to win, which is a, a kind of a paradox. But, it sounds um, like a Disney after school special. <laughs> well, it's, it's Sean. This is a this is like a reality competition show, right? Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. like X number of people. They all go into a hotel and they all live in that hotel, but they don't see each other at all. So you could either portray like your actual self in this platform, or you could like totally catfish somebody. Um, and there was actually some some hilarious moments. Uh, in that, and I was watching it with my girlfriend, and I was thinking the whole time, I'm like, how would I react in this situation? But I'd be so bored, because they had, they were, like, so limited at the beginning, and I just wanted to, like, dive in and, like, throw up this picture, that picture, do whatever. Um, but I just get too interested in, like, personalizations of things. Anyways, um, the cool, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the coolest things I've done, um, relevance to uh, the podcast is, I got to, in between the last time I was here and today, is that I got to see my favorite band in concert, finally. Um, it was sweet. I got to see Alkaline Trio and Bad Religion over in Chicago. Um, fantastic lineup and almost like every single one of my favorite songs because it wasn't a new album release concert tour. It was just like all your favorite hits type of thing. Um, Those are the best. Pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, was that it on that front? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I also saw the movie Atomic Blonde, and I think that was, like, one of the biggest waste of two hours ever. 
some other people might have different <laughs> opinions, but like I was, I was, I was bored the entire time. Um, no offense to that movie, but uh, I saw the trailer and went, nope, I'm good. Um, so, <laughs> um, uh, okay. Well, Peter, what about you? Uh, yeah. So I've watched. I'm all caught up on Obi Wan. I think. Oddly, I'm the I'm the furthest in that show out of everybody on this podcast, and I don't know. I know Sean hasn't started it, and Drew, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about the show, so I can either save my review for next week, or we can discuss it together once we go into your watching and reading. So, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. So my thought on this is this. I am one episode behind because it is Wednesday night. It, tonight is... Obi-Wan release night, and I had just enough stuff going on at the house when I got home to prevent me from watching the episode before we hit the record button. Um, <laughs> that being said, um, because Sean is so far behind on the show, I would hate to spoil for him stuff. Um, so I can say that I've watched the first three. You and I next week can do a real deep dive. Um, that's That's a good point. If you're all right with that, because you and I will be able to watch, you and I will be able to discuss all of it up to the finale next week. Um, and then we'll have a deep dive right before the finale, and then we can discuss the finale on the following show. So I think that'll be right on. Worked out really well. The one thing I will say is the naysayers online, the people who are nitpicking the show and really diving in and saying they don't like this and they really don't like the negatives that the show is getting. This is what I'm going to say. We have been dreaming of the stuff that this show is giving us for 45 years. <laughs> right. uh, Star Wars came out in 1977. There were lines of dialogue that made us wonder about the past, about Obi-Wan's relationship to Vader, about the Clone Wars, all that stuff. We've been dreaming of some of these moments that the show is giving us for 45 years, and they're giving them to us right now. I cannot for the life of me think to myself what these people who are complaining about the show <laughs> actually want. And if they think they can make Star Wars better than everybody else, then maybe they should show us. Because I think the show is great. It's hitting on all the levels for me. And I cannot wait for more. Um, and I know it's a little early for me to mention this because we haven't gotten to the news segment yet. But Obi-Wan is currently rumored for a second season. I don't know if that's actually happening or not, but it's currently rumored for a second season. So, um, nice. Yeah. Well, I can give my super vague review because I, um, that's my super vague review right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm like, for the most part, I'm right there with you. Um, I've liked the last two episodes better than the first two because there's some really suspenseful moments that I've actually really appreciated. I think there is some, I do have some nitpicks. I think there are, a little bit of inconsistencies, but overall I am enjoying the story. And like you said, they're giving us a lot of cool imagery and events and stuff like that. So I'm not going to complain too much. Um, and there's some, I still keep thinking of, uh, you mentioned, and I'm not going to say much more, but there's, uh, there's something that happens to one of the characters that seems to be like a direct, um, continuity issue, and I'm really, really curious how they're going to solve that moving forward. And uh, uh, is it the continuity issue we talked about last week? Yes. Okay. Yes, and I agree. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I really, and I, and if you listened to last week, you know what I'm talking about. But that continuity issue to have this not get fixed under the guise of Dave Filoni, it would be shocking. There's no that way. Is a good, that is a very good point. 
This is, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Anyway. Um, other than that, I have a couple more things that I can give super short, vague reviews because they're things that you don't want to spoil. But um, the first thing I wanted to mention is I've been watching Stranger Things. I've, I'm only like three episodes in at this point. Usually I try to watch Stranger Things all at once, like everything right away when it comes out. But I've been taking my time this season, kind of just because I've had a busy schedule the last few weeks. But this show is awesome. I really think they found their pace. Um, season three, in my opinion, went way too fast. And I think this season, it's just it's just paced so well. Like, it's more of a slow burn, which, in my opinion, works way better for a show that involves, like, mysterious elements and stuff. Like, you want to be caught up in the intrigue of everything. And when things are revealed too fast or it moves too fast, it just doesn't work, uh, at least according to my tastes. Um, I also... The other thing I'll say, and this isn't really a spoiler, but I love, at least at this point, and I feel like, well, I'm not going to say too much, but uh, I really love the character Eddie. Like, immediately I felt in love with this character. He was, like, my new favorite character. Um, I'm pretty sure he's named after uh, the Iron Maiden mascot, Eddie, but he is just, like, he's kind of like your idealized Dungeons and Dragons heavy metal, like, our outsider dude. And, like, right away I was just like, this guy is awesome. <laughs> so, and Sean, I know you've been watching Stranger Things, so I don't know if you have any comments on this season without spoiling anything. Um, this season is incredibly intriguing. Uh, I'm I'm very excited with like where they're going with it. It's not what my girlfriend at all wants to watch because it's it, it feels it's too like, scary or yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's a good thing. <laughs> Well, I mean, in my opinion, it's going it's going in a different kind of scary that than she likes. And yeah, I'm just I'm I'm really intrigued by it because it, it's like they keep going um, in a direction that like I me is personally kind of feeling always as like an outlier. Like I love when um, it's just like watching Game of Thrones and like, you know, the different characters interacting with the White Walkers for the first time and they have to come face to face with something that they thought was like a myth or a legend or like not really real, like, you know, hope silly people like believe these things, but like, it's just like coming to re- uh, terms with something that like they didn't want to believe was a possibility or something. I, I really enjoy like that type of stuff. So awesome. I'm really, I, I'm really enjoying this new season. Sweet. And Drew, when you catch up on this, I can't wait to go on a deep dive on stranger things with you as well. Yeah. So <laughs> just to clarify, the reason I've not watched yet is because of how crazy my schedule has been. Yeah. I want to give it its due because a show like stranger things deserves that. Um, yeah. I mean, you want, you want to savor it. You don't want to be like trying to fit like half an episode before you have to go run an air <laughs> and watch 15 minutes later. And like, it would just ruin the watching experience, I think. Yeah, agreed. So that's the only reason I haven't jumped on it yet. And it's just, I know that the episodes are longer and that kind of thing. So yeah. I want to give it, I want to give it the attention that it deserves. So, um, um the last thing that I've watched that I'll, I'll keep this super short, um, which because I don't really need to expound on it, but I finally watched the movie Old, the M. Night Shyamalan film. And uh, yeah. M. Night is a uh, what's that? I just said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> M. Night is have you seen this, Drew? <laughs> no, I just I'm not an M. Night Shyamalan fan. And, well, that's yeah. that's actually what I was going to say. 
<laughs> so that's actually just what I was going to say is that M. Night for me is very hit or miss. Like, he'll have a movie that I think is great, and then most of them I actually don't really like. Um, but old, I will say, I think this is one of his best films. Like, watching it, it's really interesting. Uh, if you watch the trailer, you kind of have everything you need to know, like, as far as the premise of the film. But it de- deals with really frightening concepts that aren't really explored that much. And uh, I can't say too much, but there's a twist in the movie, and the way the twist plays out, it brings in a lot of very interesting ethical questions that I actually really appreciated. Like, there's some philosophical elements of this movie that I really wasn't expecting. So I think this is good M. Night. (laughs) I would definitely recommend checking it out if you have the chance. So, Okay. Um... And that's well, it for me as far well, as watching. The one thing so. I did watch, the one thing I did watch is the movie Interceptor um, yes. on Netflix. I I mentioned this before because it's written and directed by my favorite author, um, Matthew Riley. Now, this is I'm trying to see how I review this movie because my expectations were a little bit. My expectations were I can't wait for a new Matthew Riley story. It was kind of like, oh my god, new Matthew Riley story. I can't wait. Being my favorite author, I was excited. Um, he is, first and foremost, a writer, a novelist. He is not known for scripts, and he's not known for directing movies. So I wasn't expecting, like, a Best Picture winner at the Oscars. I was expecting mm-hmm. a really fun Matthew Riley story, okay? Um, so there's definitely, and I didn't know how much, and I didn't know, like, this isn't, like, a big-budget movie. This is a very tight story, um, if you know his work, it is very on brand for Matthew Riley. And you're just like, yep, that is totally how he writes. That's totally how he tells the story, <laughs> structure and all that stuff. And I was just in with it. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Um, you can see that it's not, you can tell by watching it that it is not Avengers level budget. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Um, like it's definitely a smaller budget and it's a much more intimate movie. Um, ultimately it's, about a girl trapped in a room dealing with terrorists. I mean, that's basically what the movie's about. Uh, quick overview of the movie. Um, they tell you at the beginning of the movie that if a nuclear missile was launched from Russia and aimed at the United States, the United States would have uh, 24 minutes to respond. Um, so they have two... So the United States has two... What they're, they're called interceptor platforms that are like missile defense that are specifically designed to take out nuclear missiles if they get fired from that direction. And um, so if a missile goes off, they have 24 hour, 24 minutes to respond and take out the missile from those from one of those interceptor platforms. So to not spoil anything, the movie opens with one of those interceptor bases being completely destroyed. So there's only one left. And. The girl, the main, the lead character is arriving at the other interceptor base because it's her military post. And as she gets there, the station is being taken over by terrorists because they're trying to shut it down so they could launch nuclear missiles from Russia. Um, and they have like 23 nuclear missiles in total that they're getting ready to fire, but they need to take out the interceptor base so they can, so they can't, the missiles can't be stopped. Um, where the movie gets intense. So first off, the fight sequences are really intense. It's really tight because the whole movie takes place on the one military base. Um, the What makes the movie intense is the missiles shoot, 
they got 24 minutes to respond. The clock's ticking. Okay? They know that, um, they know that the Navy SEALs are on the way, but based on the terrorists trying to get to the control room to stop them from blocking the missiles, to the fact that they were like, well, we're going to flush her out, so they decide to sink the station. So the amount of time they have to sink the station with the Navy SEALs coming, there's not enough time. From the missiles being launched, if she responds, if they get to a certain point, she won't have enough time. Like, the clock stuff is crazily thought out. And huh. it's, it makes it, it makes the intensity there. Um, that's awesome. Uh, so it's, I had a lot of fun watching the movie. Um, so, and I definitely want to see it again. I just haven't had time to watch it a second time. Um, it's raking in 35 million hours have been spent watching this movie globally. Wow. Um, which is awesome. It's, I believe it's still number one on Netflix right now, which is really kind of cool. So nice. go him. Good for Matthew Riley. I think that's awesome. <laughs> I hope, I hope that this movie was a shoehorn and saying, let's see what else he's got. You know, let's see what else he does originally. Cause it's, <laughs> the thing about it is it's an original story. It's not superheroes. It's not something you know. It's not a franchise that you're, um, familiar with where you have expectations. You're going in blind. You don't know anything. So. Yeah, uh, that's what I said with the trailer when the trailer came out and we talked about it is like, Drew, I think this could be the best thing ever for you because it could be like, if this movie is successful, which it seems that clearly it is, like we're probably going to get more Matthew Riley Netflix projects, sure. and that's just that's awesome. <laughs> well, the other thing about is the thing about his writing is is he doesn't tell you something unless it's not he won't tell you something if he doesn't intend it to be important later. Yeah, and you know, so when they mentioned they mentioned like a small little prop that is kind of throwaway line of dialogue, but that prop is important later on. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing that makes it – that's something I really like about his writing where you'll be reading about something and you'll you'll read one of his novels and you'll hit a point and you're like, yeah, okay, whatever, I'm with you. And then, like, six chapters later, they'll call back to this tiniest little moment. You're like, oh, my gosh, really? Like, <laughs> I should have seen that coming, nice. you know? <laughs> yeah. So – and the movie plays just like that. So, um, nice. So check out Interceptor. I had a lot of fun watching it. Um yeah, and like I said, it's a little bit of a biased opinion, but as a film critic, you can tell that it was made on a smaller budget, and it's not like a massive Top Gun uh, Avengers Endgame-style budget. It is a in- more intimate action film. It's taking place over the course of probably, I think overall, the, the story takes place over the course of like maybe three hours. Like, it's a really tight, nice. it's a tight told story. So, mm. yeah. Cool. Um, at any rate, let's move on, shall we? Um, oh, real quick, uh, Thor's in the movie. That kind of blew my mind a little bit. Um, here's the Thor thing. or uh, Chris Hemsworth? Chris Hemsworth. Here's what I didn't expect. Um, Chris Hemsworth posted on his Instagram that he was with his wife at the premiere of her new movie, Interceptor. And I thought to myself, who's Chris Hemsworth married to? And I'm like, he's not married to Elsa Packy, is it? Because Elsa Packy is the lead role in the movie. Yeah. Sure enough, he's married to Elsa Packy. <laughs> nice. So I was like, oh, that's cool. So then Chris Hemsworth has a really kind of funny cameo in the movie. And then when you get to the end credits, it actually says Chris Hemsworth is one of the producers. So oh, nice. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. But all three of them, Matthew Riley, Chris Hemsworth, Elsa Packy, they're all Australian. So awesome. <laughs> That makes sense. Um, nice. At any rate, let's move on, shall we? 
Um, let's talk about some news. These are light news topics. Um, so real quick, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness will be on Disney Plus June 22nd, so I can watch it again and again and again, because I can't wait to watch this a second time. <laughs> nice. Uh, so for those of you who are looking for it, it's coming. Um, officially, Joker 2 has been announced. Did you guys see this? No. Joker. No, I didn't. Uh, Joker, yeah. <laughs> Joker director Todd Phillips revealed um, the working title for the Joker sequel um, alongside an image of the lead actor uh, reading the script. The title is um, in French, and I don't want to butcher it, <laughs> um, so I'm not even going to try. Um, but I thought that was kind of cool. It's just Joker something. Uh, it's like it almost it's basically, you know how uh, Hot Shots Part do? Um Yeah. It's it's got de in the title. I just don't remember what the first word was, and I don't want to mess it up. So um, I, I assume <laughs> I hear it somewhere on social media. Someone's going to say it, and I'm like that's how you say that correctly. Um, but yeah, Joker two is coming, <laughs> and I honestly, I'm really kind of curious to how you handle a Joker movie in that universe without Batman at this point, where they leave off. Yeah. Um, to me, it's almost like it almost feels like it's it'd be like along the same lines of like a Fight Club too, where it's just like, okay, Joker has his like crazy cult followers, like he has his Project Mayhem. What happens next? You know what I mean? Right, and I hear you there. Um, but this makes me wonder. No, yeah, I just at this point, like it's just, that's the thing. Like, are you afraid of doing Batman? You know, we were talking about how DC's doing all these shows and movies and stuff around the existence of Batman, but they're not doing a Batman show. Where do we draw the line and say, why are you guys so scared of Batman? Um, so I just don't, I just hope that, um, I don't know how you do a sequel to that Joker film. Well, I don't know. I mean, I can sure think of ways to do a sequel to it. I just don't know, um, how you do it without Batman because of the Wayne murder happening at the end of the movie. Like, are we jumping ahead in time, or is Bruce Wayne still going to be, like, 15 at this point? You know, I mean, jumping far just enough to where Bruce Wayne's, you know, out of the yeah. country learning to be Batman, and he's just not yet. Um, right. So, anyway. Well, it's also, how many Batmans are you going to have on on the big screen at the same time? But well, me asking that... Kind of, so thank you, like thank you, Sean. I was just going to say it's the multiverse. <laughs> well, I was going to say, me asking that is kind of silly, because we have four Jokers on the big screen at the same time. So, or, I mean, not four, three Jokers. So, I don't know. It's I don't yeah. know what they're going to do with it. But. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Um, Blade is officially set to begin filming July 4th. Okay. Um, that's cool. I just feel sorry for them because it's a holiday. Um. <laughs> I'm expecting, like, a Halloween 2023 or 24 release date, which would be pretty sweet. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. So <laughs> I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if they targeted for a Halloween release date. Um, in the realm of Marvel, Deadpool three will officially not be Disney fied, according to um, according to the uh, mouths over at the MCU. They say that they will not. Um, the movie will be rated R. It will not be Disney fied. They're not gonna like. They're gonna let it continue to be Deadpool three the way we want Deadpool to be. So I think that's awesome. Um, 
And I wasn't even thinking about the Disney-fied stuff because when they said they wanted to keep it rated R, I'm like, well, you can't Disney-fy it yet. So, <laughs> but how how awesome would it be to have the Disney like animated storybook opening to Deadpool three or something like that? Like that'd be an amazing joke and twist and stuff like that. I I would love that personally, but yeah, <laughs> we'll see. That's a good point. Um, okay, did you see the Sandman trailer? Either of you guys? I haven't I watched know. it yet. I know it's been out for a bit, okay. right? There's a couple trailers that dropped yesterday, and I wasn't, and I thought to myself, I'm like, ooh, you know, do I tell Peter to watch a whole bunch of stuff? I, you know, the Sandman trailer looks awesome. Like, it looks nice. fantastic. So I highly recommend going and checking it out. Um, <laughs> the reason I bring up the Sandman trailer is because Mark Hamill joined the cast of the Sandman for Netflix, um, and he's gonna be, jo- and he's gonna be voicing Merv Pumpkinhead. So if you know your comics, that's who Mark Hamill will be voicing in the uh, series. Um, nice. So, yeah. Uh, but the, the trailer looks amazing. Um, there is also a trailer for Hunger Games prequel, which is the most, is the weirdest trailer I've ever seen because it is nothing. It shows you a bird and a snake very slowly. And that is it. Um, <laughs> you, you don't see any actors. You don't see any names. It like just have words like, we're going to take you back to the games and here we go again. And like those kind of like dialogue, like words that flash on the screen while they very slowly show you images. And at the end you realize you've been looking at a bird and a snake the whole time. And you're like, great hunger games. Like there's nothing to show you. So uh, don't get excited about that. Um, the other one, uh, <laughs> the other one that I got excited for was the teaser trailer for Wednesday dropped. Um, I didn't see this either. I saw. Well, keep going. But you yeah, saw the you it, saw yeah. the monsters one, which you said. That's what I was gonna say. I saw like a pretty related trailer, but I haven't seen the the Wednesday one yeah. yet. So the monsters one was cool, just because I honestly don't think I knew that was coming. But <laughs> um, the Wednesday one released, and it's really it does nothing to it because it's basically Wednesday, and she's like kind of getting ready. So it's like a quick, you know, adjust her hair and button her like blouse or like you know, fix her, like, glove on her hand, like, you know what I mean, there's nothing to it, but then she walks into frame, and you get to see her, and then Thing appears on her finger, on her shoulder, and snaps his fingers, and they just show you the title, but okay, cool. I was like, that's cool, <laughs> you know, like, I'm down, because <laughs> um, I'm excited for it in general, so, um, yeah. the one, going back to the mo- monsters, yeah. I was going to say, the thing I loved about that trailer is just how <laughs> true to the old TV show it felt. Like, the trailer starts, and you feel like you're literally watching the intro to the TV show. Like, the first shot, I'm just like, is this literally exactly the same? And, like, yeah, there's slight differences, but it's pretty impressive how close they got it. And it just looks like it's going to be hilarious, and I also don't know at all what to expect, which I love. So, uh, but, yeah, we can move on. <laughs> it's all good. So... The other trailer that dropped today was Black Adam. Did you watch that one? Either? Oh, crap. No, my oh, friend man. posted this in Discord, and I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> That's that was like, I saw my friend post it, and I was working, and I was like, well, I got to watch that before the show, and I totally forgot. So tell me about Black Adam. Well, Black Adam, this is actually one where you get a gist of, like, a story to it. It's listed as a teaser trailer, but you actually get a gist of, like, a story. Um, and it looks really fantastic. You actually get to see a skinny, um, like, you know, in uh, Captain America, when we got to see skinny Steve? <laughs> yeah. 
before I got the Captain America serum, you actually get to see a skinny rock, which is kind of weird to look at at first, but you're like, oh my god, that's skinny rock. And <laughs> um, and then he gets obviously beefed up and becomes Black Adam. But you get, I mean, you get to see some really cool imagery of Hawkman and Doctor Fate with the helmet and Adam Smasher, and like you get to see like Dang. this. This looks like a solid, solid movie. Um, there's probably a ton of Easter eggs in there that I missed. So I'll have to maybe watch the trailer again. But just in terms of DC property, there was so much in there, and it's a jam-packed trailer. So um, definitely check it out. But it made me, like, excited. Like, this looks like a really cool, like, I really feel like, um, in a general sense, since the Snyder Cut released, I do feel that DC has taken some steps in the correct direction when we look at the Batman and stuff like that. Um, So... This looks good, like really good. Um, in the realm of DC taking steps in the right direction, Peter, you're going to be really excited to this, about this. According to the rap, uh, which is it's a news source on the line, some um, uh, WB um, CEO David Zaslav is reshaping the studio's plans with Superman being a focal point for the studio. He instructed the team to scratch every Superman project in development and start completely over with Henry Cavill. <laughs> nice. So every project that they were going to do with Superman, scrap it, start over with Henry Cavill, and get this properly in place. You've been underutilizing the character, and it's amazing. I just I was really happy to hear that, and I've been waiting all week to tell you this. <laughs> no, that's that's perfect. Henry Cavill has like definitely he has this uh, affinity for the character, um, especially when you go back and listen to his interviews for um, uh, Batman v Superman and Man of Steel. Like he did do a deep dive on Superman comics, and it's cool to hear him talk about like which comic arcs he really cares for and stuff. But I think he's he was kind of born to do Superman in a lot of ways, so this is awesome. Yeah, um, I, know. I also think oh. it's funny that uh, – oh, what's that? No, I just was going to say I hope this story is true, and I hope Henry Cavill is in, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But I also think it's funny that if this story is true, uh, is it David Zaslav? Uh, apparently he's a Kevin Smith fan. <laughs> He's taking yeah. Kevin Smith's plan for the DCEU, which is pretty funny. Yeah. yeah, but hey, you know, Kevin Smith saying stuff on a podcast got Thor Ragnarok to be what Thor Ragnarok is. So, you know. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sean, do you have any thoughts on anything? You've been pretty quiet so far. Well, I'm I'm just listening. The uh, I, I got, like, really upset when Andy said, like, they're scrapping everything. They're starting from scratch with Superman. And I'm like, seriously? I swear, if I get one more friggin' origin movie about another superhero that I already know stuff about, <laughs> don't think you're gonna and get then he, an origin. Then you reminded us that it's that it's Henry Cavill, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm fine. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think you're gonna get a Superman origin. Uh, you might. They might touch on it a little differently, but because you know how like you know how or Batman might mention the Wayne murder in dialogue. Yeah, like in, in the Batman with Robert Pattinson, they didn't show you the main the Wayne murder. They had one line of dialogue to cover it, right? In Spider Man Homecoming, they didn't show you him getting bit by the spider. They had one line of dialogue that covered it, 
in Civil War. They didn't have to, you know, there's a way to do it, and it's the it's the comic book code. This is, could, could be anyone's first movie. This could be anyone's first comic book, so how do we handle that? Um, so I'm just excited to see if that's what they're doing. Great, let's do it. Um, Absolutely, and I'm glad I'm glad you brought up Spider Man because I've been thinking he really he really is due for a reboot. <laughs> 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 just kidding. You can go. You can go on. Yeah, he, he is. Um, okay, exclusive. Um, this comes from Giant Freaking Robot. I don't know if it's true. I read through the article. They have almost zero news. Uh, zero actual facts on this, but there's a Top Gun series in development for Paramount Plus. Um, <laughs> well, you're gonna have to sign up for Paramount Plus then. <laughs> I know uh, that's gonna be a lot of flybys. Here's what I'm gonna yep. say. Here's what I'm gonna say. That sounds great, but you will not be able to deliver on a Paramount Plus level television show what that movie delivered in terms of the absolute speed and intensity of those jets. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. No, go for it, John. Do you think it's going to be similar to uh, Blue Mountain State versus Varsity Blues? Um, that is the weirdest comparison I was expecting, <laughs> but, yeah, probably. <laughs> I just... Did you see Top Gun Maverick yet, Sean? No, not yet. I okay. The, the way that they... The, the speed, like, you can feel it in your seats. It is, the, I was, I was reading some stuff that 90% of what they did with those jets is at 100% real. And they did them for real. It wasn't like they went to a green screen and sat down in cockpits and, like, act for the camera. No, they got in the real jets and did it. So you can feel the G-forces in your seats in a regular theater. You don't have to be in a 4DX. You can feel it, and it's nuts. And um, they just there's no way they're going to be able to deliver on that scale with a show. Now, will Tom Cruise be in it? Probably not. But they have all these young pilots. It's a Top Gun school, you know, all that stuff. They could do something cool with it. I, I would definitely be interested, and I'd probably watch it, but you're just not going to be able to deliver on that scale. So... I am skeptical, even if that's true. Yeah, and in a perfect world, they'll really be able to use those characters for the show and expound on them, and you'll get, like, if there's good writing, there's going to be a lot of cool character moments, and there's probably going to be a lot of cool dogfight moments and stuff, too, but like you said, it's going to be subpar compared to what we got in the movie, knowing how much of that was practically done and everything. Like, for Paramount+, Plus, for a TV show, it's probably going to be mostly CG, which it still might be awesome, but it's just not going to be on the same level. So I definitely right. hear where you're coming from there. Okay. Tron 3 is reportedly shelved. Yay! I... <laughs> what? I, do you not want to see a Tron 3? No, I heard that wrong. Okay. Um, Tron, <laughs> Tron 3 was shelved by Disney due to Marvel focus and Star Wars focus. Um, the director, Joseph Kozlinski, speculated Disney chose to invert um, in its invest in its Marvel and Star Wars brands over the planned Tron Ascension. I got so close, I really tried. I got close in 2015, and Disney pulled the plug on it. He said the Tron sequel that would have brought the digital virtual reality to the grid and to the digital real world. 
So I can't tell if it got shelved back in 2015 and they're dusting it off now or it's shelved now. What concerns me about this and makes me think this is a rumor as opposed to an actual fact is that I was just down in Disney and you could see the construction happening where the Tron ride is supposed to go. Huh. Like, Crazy. I literally, I could physically see it. It's, it's being built right next to Space Mountain, and you're like, what's going on over there? Oh, they're building Tron. And it's even on the park map where Tron's supposed to be. It opens next year. I would be shocked if they weren't planning a movie release with the re- with the opening of the ride. Absolutely, you know I, and and we were talking super recently about uh, Jared Leto being signed on for uh, yeah. Tron 3. So, yeah, I don't know. That's really weird. It is really weird, and I don't get it. Um, okay. I, I, hope, I hope it's still happening. Part of me feels like Tron's, like, one of the coolest franchises that, for some reason, just everybody doesn't get on board with, and I don't know why, but hopefully it's still going. It's still yeah. going to happen, you know? <laughs> well... I got one more news story. It's going to jump back to Star Wars, and then we'll talk the list. Um, the news story is James Earl Jones is back as the voice of Darth Vader and Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> I did. I did Yay. see something about this. Absolutely. Yay is right, but Peter. I think Peter knows where I'm about to go with this. It is unforgivable to alter the voice of the Master Chief when the actor is still alive. <laughs> Paramount Plus. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sorry, but it is. They didn't have to get James Earl Jones back, but they did because James Earl Jones is the voice of Darth Vader. I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on over in Halo World anyway because of the stuff I've been hearing about the show. I'm almost kind of glad I'm not watching it and I'm just letting the game be the Halo I know <laughs> from the things yeah. that I've heard. What I'll say is this. Guys over at Paramount, you've got this wrong. Get Steve Downs. He's the voice of the Master Chief, period. They got James Earl Jones back. This is a perfect example, and I've been on you about about this since Halo started. So, yes, James Earl Jones is back, voicing Darth Vader. Of course he is, because that's the right choice, and it's amazing. Um, That was it on my little anti-Halo rant right now. (laughs) The first thing that they did wrong with Halo was show his face. I don't know why you would ever take that helmet off. Well, I have... Or at least not in the first episode. (laughs) I because... Because they have to adapt from page to screen, and there's a, there's an issue of allowing non-Halo fans to connect with a character that we had no problem connecting with in the video game, because in the video game, you are the character, right? I did it with Mandalorian before I got to see his face, and sure. then I had him take his, yeah. his helmet off, and I didn't see his face. Sure, but the difference between Mandalorian and the Master Chief is you know that you have a guy that looks like Boba Fett, who you've been in love with since 1983, okay? So you're walking in with a preconceived knowledge of how cool this guy could be, okay? Master Chief, people don't know Halo the way gamers do. So gamers got to be the Master Chief, and that's how they connected. For non-Halo fans to get into the show, showing his face was a way for them to connect to someone they needed to know as human, and I get that. It's the other stuff that I'm having a problem with that I'm hearing is going on in the show. So that whole thing aside, I'm kind of glad I'm not watching. No offense. But <laughs> it's not my fault that they're all a bunch of muggles and they just need to play the game. <laughs> There's that, too. Um, but, yes, James Earl Jones is back playing Darth Vader, and it's amazing. And I loved hearing his voice. 
and it was great. Um, so yeah, um, sorry if that ruins it for you, Sean, but you knew Darth Vader was coming back. <laughs> so, um, are you guys ready to talk the list? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool, because this about is, as ready uh, as Chewie versus R two D two. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a strange analogy. Um, but on that note, let's roll the thing. And now for the top five. Okay, so um, <laughs> here we are, episode 200. Um, so here's what we decided to do. Peter and I talked about this a little bit Um Leading up to this, um, when you go back, if you dig into the archives of the show, um, when people hear I have a podcast, they always ask, where do you start? Um, they'll be like, oh, you have a podcast? Cool. And they, like, open up the website or they pull up iTunes or something like that. And they're like, you have almost 200 episodes? Oh, my God. That's daunting. And I'm like, you don't have to listen to every show. You don't have to start at one and go. I know several people that have. My thing is, is at this point, listen to the first couple that you come across. Listen to the most recent ones because it's the most recent news. Great. But because our lists are all over the place, like we just pick random stuff sometimes, jump in. Like, you know, listen to a couple recent ones and then scroll around and see if there's some other episodes you want to listen to. At the end of the day, I'm just glad you're listening. Um, and that's what I try and tell people when they find out I have a sh- we do this show, Peter. Um, yeah. But... If you go back into our archives and you look at episode 100, we sat down and tackled the Marvel MCU. At the time, it was 23 films. Now it's up to, like, almost 27, I think. So one day we might have to re-tackle that list. But we did sort of like a bump draft kind of a thing uh, where we whittled it down to what our favorite movies were. Um Tonight we're going to do something similar, and tonight we're going to discuss the Star Wars franchise. Um, it's a much shorter list of movies, but Star Wars has a real um, special place in my heart because it's been with me my entire life. Um, I am not old enough to have seen the original film in theaters, but as old as I've been able to watch these movies, I've been watching these movies over and over and over and over and over again. I have an emotional connection to the films. I have an emotional connection to the characters. I have an emotional connection to the fact that, you know, you go see the next movie, and as soon as that crawl appears, a tear rolls. You know what I mean? It's just like, here we are again, and it's amazing. It's comfort food. It There's, there's a lot to this, to this franchise. So, and as much as I've known this franchise, as much as I've read comics and novels and played games and uh, card games, video games, um... Role play in the backyard, beating the crap out of my brothers with uh, toy lightsabers or, you know, that kind of stuff. I've never felt that I've been, in my opinion, qualified to really discuss it on the show. I've always I always feel like I kind of skirt around like my real thoughts and stuff because I'm like, there's so many other people, in my opinion, that are more qualified to talk Star Wars. But at the end of the day, we're Star Wars fans and we just want to talk Star Wars. So maybe I'm just full of it in my own head. Um, uh, Drew, I will say, I think you're the most qualified person I know to talk about Star Wars. Like, I think you really know the franchise super well. I understand what you mean. Like, there's these people who have podcasts or YouTube shows who have that real, like, encyclopedic knowledge. But I do think 
you like I don't I'm not saying like you're the Star Wars authority, but I think you definitely have the knowledge behind you to talk about Star Wars all you want. So well, well, I, <laughs> I just don't want to hear you doubt yourself in that. No, way. I and I don't want to say I am doubting myself and I really appreciate you saying that. But I think that's one of the reasons why I've curbed some of my opinions on Star Wars as I've watched as I, you know, as we've done the show over the past 200 episodes. But tonight we're going to dive deep, talk about the movies one by one, figure out what our top, favorite top fives are. It's going to be kind of a roller coaster. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know how honorable mentions will land as we go through this. So if there's any movies you guys decide to lock in place, that's cool. There is only one way to do this. Um, I was thinking about this in the sense of how do you go through these movies in a proper ordered way? Um, and this is, it's the watch order argument. You know, do you watch, do you watch the original trilogy first? Do you watch the prequel trilogy first? Do you watch it in sequential order? Do you watch the weird hatchet job internet um, machete order, as they call it? People watch these movies in all kinds of orders. But to be completely honest, I think the only way to do this properly is discuss it in release order. Which, I would agree. Which could be weird. Um, but we're going to tackle it and see how this plays out. So. It's time to hop in the Wayback Machine. None of the three of us were alive in 1977, May 25th, when the movie released. But we're going to hop in the Wayback Machine and head back to 1977. The only movie that is out right now is Star Wars A New Hope. (laughs) So I have to ask you, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? (laughs) Well, it's Star Wars, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Which at the time, which at the time was just titled Star Wars. Um, there was no A New Hope. It wasn't until um, it wasn't until the announcement of The Empire Strikes Back that they had to put in the subtitle, and then they started getting the episode four and the subtitle in front of the film. I believe I don't remember. I think A New Hope might have always been nope. Yeah, A New Hope wasn't in the crawl until they announced The Empire Strikes Back, and then it was right before that one. It was a re-release, and they added the episode four, and you're like, hold on, wait a second. Um, so yeah, Star Wars A New Hope. Does anyone have any thoughts on this aside from, I mean, most of my thoughts for On A New Hope right now are predicated on the Obi-Wan show because of the story we're getting. Um, (laughs) it's, it's hard to know what to say. I mean, there's so many people who have said it better than we could even say, but this movie was obviously groundbreaking from just special effects, but also like embracing, um, older kinds of storytelling, like as far as the space opera aspects and the uh, Flash Gordon aspects of the movie and stuff. And it was just really innovative and obviously met, left such a big mark on pop culture. I don't even know where to start with commenting on A New Hope. Uh, Sean, I don't know if you have any comments on this at all. <laughs> yeah, um, well, Drew, you, you mentioned like you weren't around, which means obviously I wasn't around when it actually was released and everything. Um, but that we still have that emotional connection. And I can happily say that the first movie I remember seeing in the movie theaters was the special edition release. So as wow. far as we're concerned, this is my first movie in the movie theaters. This is the first um, movie you remember seeing in the theater? Yeah. And my, awesome. my older awesome. brothers took me to see it. So yeah, no, 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 I hear you. Cause I remember taking you guys to see it. I just, I didn't know that was like your earliest memory of going to a theater. Um, I will say this, what is between, before we get any farther, what is the first Star Wars movie you guys ever saw? Because there's no way you watch them in an actual, some semblance of an order. Do you remember the first movie you actually saw? <laughs> it was one of the first three. Well, no, yeah, they, 
as, I, at a young age, oh, well, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, uh, at a, at, as a young age, like the original trilogy is a huge blur for me. I remember watching Return of the Jedi a lot, though, but I really couldn't say which one was the first okay. I actually watched. Right. I know that Return of the Jedi, uh, or Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, was the very first one that I saw. Um, and then I know, for some for some reason, and I can't tell you why, because I honestly don't know, but I do know I watched Episode 6 first, I then watched Episode 5, and then I watched Episode 4. <laughs> um, so my I, think that's, I actually think that's kind of common for people in our age group is like watching return of the Jedi first. And I don't know why that is, but it's got the Ewoks and whatever. We're getting ahead of ourselves though. It (laughs) it might be, it might be. Um, so anyway, our favorite movie right now is a new hope. Um, what is, yeah, or star Wars. Um, what is, um, the next movie that comes out in 1980, this is the year I was born. Um, so there's a chance that I like to think that my parents tried to get me to the theater to see this movie, but I don't have any <laughs> proof of that. Um, the next movie to come out is The Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Um, so in that case, guys, what's the order of your movies at this point? For Empire me... Strike- oh. Go ahead, man. Uh... For me, it's Empire Strikes Back and then A New Hope. Okay, same here. Same. Yeah, same. Here. Empire, there was something. I feel like Empire is the standard fan movie that is the, this is my favorite Star Wars movie on paper. And it's, it's. I feel like it's almost a knee-jerk reaction. Now, it's for a specific group of fans, but I feel like it's a standard answer when someone says, what's the best Star Wars movie out there? Um and I know we have generational gaps at this point because we have the prequel generation uh, viewers, we have the Clone Wars generation viewers, we have the sequel trilogy generation now. Um, but I do feel when someone says, what's the best Star Wars movie? I feel Empire is the one that comes up. For me, um, this is the thing, man. A New Hope, as cool as it is, as cool as a lot of the stuff in there, I got sucked in to the idea of, I think it's the darker tone of the movie, to be honest. Yeah, Yeah, they have Yoda and the Jedi stuff that was great to get all that story background, but opening it with the the ice planet, I love Hoth. I don't know, like, I don't know what it is about Hoth and Cloud City, but those two environments are two of my absolute favorite environments in the entire franchise. It could be the art, it could be the um, idea of the, the peril, like, you go from, you go on a Hoth, with, obviously, the ice monster, but you also have the freezing temperatures, you know, then you have the battle and stuff, so there's a danger to the environment uh, that I don't think you had in the original trilogy as much as I thought. And then you go to Cloud City, which is very claustrophobic and machinery, and you know what I mean? like And you're suspended how many miles into the air, like, you could like, easily fall to your death. You right, know. There's, there's a danger to the environment, and I really, I really, really like this. Sean, you look like you're about to say something, so <laughs> hop in. <laughs> I've, I've never thought of this before, but um, A New Hope and Empire Strike Back, Strikes Back follows the same progression where we start with characters, you know, at the time we know, as much as we do know, whatever uh, we know from the, from the uh, screen so far, is that these uh these characters are on a super extreme environment on a planet um they successfully escape from that planet both situations both planets 
and they go off into space and the movie ends with them off on some um you know like inner galactic uh space station of some kind then never realized that before they do and then now that both times they're they're like opposite extremes but both times are like you know desolate extreme harsh conditions that you have to live through not many people around yeah and not only that but it's um that's star wars ring theory for you um the idea of the and and we can and we'll get into Star Wars Ring Theory a little bit more when we move into the prequels because that's where you start to see some of those parallels even more. Um, the the idea of the Star Wars Ring Theory it's a really really cool article if you look it up online and it's basically just a fan who wrote an article about um, I guess you could say looped storytelling is the best way of wording it I think um, where ideas that appear in one movie or in one story are reflected again later on in a different way. So you're seeing a parallel and you're just like, and you don't catch it right away. Your brain just kind of passes over it and you're just like, okay, you're with the story. But when you look back, you're like, oh man, that was almost just like this. Like it was a parallel moment uh, for character development and stuff. Um, and there's a lot to that. So I see what you're saying. Um, and that brings us to, does you have anything else to say on Empire before we move on? Nobody's it's great. Movie. It's amazing. It's a great movie. Best one. Best one. <laughs> um, that moves us. To, it might be. <laughs> that moves us to 1983 for um, Return of the Jedi. Now, this is the first one I saw. Uh, yes. This is in the realm of what Sean just pointed out about the first two. Take a look at A New Hope and compare it to Return of the Jedi. A New Hope and Return of the Jedi are almost the same movie, but turned up to 11. Yeah. So they go into the cantina. <laughs> they go into the cantina and you have all the aliens. Well, now we're going to go into Jabba's palace and we're going to have all the aliens, but they're even weirder and they're bigger and they're crazier. Yeah. And then we're going to go to, um, uh, and then we're going to have to go blow up the Death Star. And it's like the first movie when they had to blow up the Death Star was cool and it was a cool, crazy space battle, but here we are doing it again, but it's crazier and bigger and faster and, you know. So, and this time you have to go through the Death Star, and at the same right. time, there's going to be with these weird teddy bear aliens fighting off stormtroopers on a planet. And right. yeah, yeah, definitely. Literally, like all the same. It's almost all the same major story beats, just turned up to eleven. And yeah, and a little bit of a, an Empire callback with Luke going back to get a little more training from Yoda, and you know, like the big Jedi battle at the end, Luke and Vader as opposed to Obi Wan and Vader. Um, but that's part of Star Wars Ring Theory. Um, uh, we'll start with you guys. Uh, Sean, Peter, where does this land? Where do, what are your three films right now? You have just the original trilogy out, so we're looking at 654, like Return of the Jedi Empire. How are we, how are we doing this? 564. 564. So Empire, Empire, Jedi, and A New Hope? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Peter? And I, I'm doing the same thing. I really, really love Return of the Jedi, but I feel like comparing it to Empire Strikes Back... Empire Strikes Back is just that much more flawless. Like, I think Return of the Jedi is amazing, but there's more flaws in it, if that makes sense. So Empire Strikes Back just edges it out barely for me. And, so. and right now, I'm going to agree with you. Where, okay. I have, where I have a hard time. So, like, we're on the same page right now. What I have a hard time with when I do this list is that Jedi Return of the Jedi was my first Star Wars film. And it holds a very, very special place in my heart. And that makes it really hard to not all of a sudden be my favorite movie. 
Um, but I truly believe that Empire Strikes Back is a perfect film, and it is truly flawless. Um, yeah. So you, I just you cannot poke holes in the story. You can't poke holes in the special effects. You can't poke holes. Like it's flawless, and I don't say that about a lot of movies. So, um, yeah. So five, six, four for me. Okay. Time here's, to here's, here's here's one bit. Um, Go ahead. And I wanted to save it for when we finally got to six. Was um, so five and six start on you know, pretty desolate, pretty, like, extremely extreme uh, environments to live in and everything. Escape from that planet, go off into another place, um, and eventually escape, like, a mechanical intergalactic uh, station of some kind. Episode 6 and one and episode 5, we, um, it's like we escape from a another hostile environment to go to where we think humanity can create a utopia type of a deal, but humanity in its inevitability like destroys that utopia type of an idea. And it doesn't, it's not until the third movie that we're finally in like a comfortable physical environment that we didn't create. Hmm. And that's just really interesting to me as, as we're going through right now. Yeah, that is interesting. Sort of like the Ewoks were right all along, sort of. (laughs) (laughs) New fan theory to sweep the internet. Yeah. No. Um, All right. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) So let's – that's interesting. That might – I wonder if that will play in more effect as we talk through these movies a little bit more. So let's – Let's jump ahead. We're now cruising through from 1983 for the next 20, so 15 years. We are cruising along, waiting and hoping and knowing that there's no more Star Wars, and it's what a lot of fans refer to as the dark times. All we had to keep us at bay was the fact that there was a lot of novels that came out and some board games and some card games and stuff like that. But at the and most some part, fan films here and there. Yeah. And some fan films here and there, but for the most part, it was the dark times is what they referred to it as. Um and in 1997, we got the movies back in theater. We got the Star Wars special editions um, because what they were doing was they were ramping up to the big announcement that we were looking at the release in 1999 of Star Wars Episode One, a movie that is hype. The hype and marketing and all that stuff has never been matched. Um, you can tell me all you want that the MCU has got better marketing and better, you know, hype around it and stuff. I guarantee no movie compares to the hype and the expectation and the anticipation of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Um, whether you like the movie or not, no film will ever have that level of anticipation. Um, I, re- I agree with that. And besides looking at the MCU and, like, Infinity War and Endgame, I think um, the Michael Keaton Batman movies definitely did have a level of hype that ro- that rivaled this. But uh, I agree with you. Like, episode one, you can't beat the hype that this movie had. Yeah. Now, that being said, we are moving into a territory where we got to discuss where this lands on our lists. So, for me, this is a movie that... Um, Man, I you I hung on every line of dialogue. It was new Star Wars. Um, I honestly don't know how many times I saw it in the theater. Um, seeing Darth Maul with a double-bladed lightsaber, I still think that should have been saved for the movie and not shown in the trailer, but it was just excitement. Um, <laughs> the speculation of all this stuff. Um, 
as much as I didn't like the pod race originally when I saw it, I ended up really. At, at, at first, I just thought it was a huge chunk of the movie that I did not expect oh. to be that long. But, you know, just okay. looking back, I'm really glad they showed it to us. I'm glad it was the length that it was. Because um, that scene, like, still holds up. Right. It's No, it does. And that's actually a scene of the movie that, um, like, our dad, he redid the sound system in his living room. And he calls me and asks for – he called me and asked for a movie to watch. Um, he's like, what's a good – movie with cool sound effects and stuff. And I said, <laughs> and I said, throw in Star Wars episode one and just watch the pod race. I go, you don't have to watch yeah. the rest of the movie. Just watch the pod race. And he goes, why? And I go, cause there's no music. It's just sound effects. And I go, and if your sound system is done right, you're going to hear the pod racers flying around the room or past the room or hitting the speakers at certain spots. Like, um, and he called me back and he's like, that was awesome. I go, I, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, right? Um, so, and he had never watched, he had never watched the movie. He only watched that sequence when he calibrated the speakers. Um, so at first I just thought the pod, there was, there was some stuff with the pottery. So I was like, okay. My initial viewing of the movie, I did not like Jar Jar Binks. Right. So of course. Af- after that, I have no problem with Jar Jar Binks. Um, <laughs> so was, to me, Jar Jar was something pretty similar to what you were saying about Obi-Wan where I didn't really like him that much either, but they were giving us so much other cool stuff. I just didn't care. Like I can ignore this one character and enjoy the rest of it, you know? Well, that, that was just my first initial take on Jar. Yeah. Like, that first initial, like, like, I don't know. Um, Sean, what are your thoughts on episode one? Uh, episode one is like you said, like the most anticipated film, uh, is, from what I can think of all time ever. Um, I, there's, there's only one other thing that I think has been, um, on the same level of anticipation and it wasn't a movie. It was a video game. Um, but we're here to talk about Star Wars. So I'll keep myself focused. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, but it's like in regards to the anticipation, you cannot contain the energy flowing through a Star Wars fan the moment that second blade extended out of Darth Maul's lightsaber. Like you yeah. just you just can't. Yeah. Like, and and it's, it's nothing that we ever necessarily thought of before. It was a complete surprise. And the like the moment that happened, whether you saw it in a preview or you saw it in the movie theater, um, or maybe like you're some person that lived between a rock and a hard place all your life and you finally saw it in college with your friends. Mm-hmm. When you saw that moment, it was like an earthquake or a volcano erupting in your brain. Like what just happened? And it just keeps going and gets better as that scene progresses because that's like that, that is the climax of the, of the whole film. But it was like, it's, it's almost indescribable of like, like what somebody's feeling, what somebody's thinking in that moment. And it's, it's just so cool. Um, I hated Jar Jar Binks, um, until we get to further releases. Um, but, uh, I, I also did not care for the older mentor character, Qui-Gon Jinn until much later in our releases. Um, because like, wow, he just, he seemed really like, he reminded me of like um an uncle or you know because like when when that movie came out I was maybe starting middle school or something I wasn't you know a, a mature person like 
critiquing these movies like I could have in the later releases or anything. Um, but I just, I just really didn't care for them. And then later on when I'm looking back and stuff and reflecting, then it was like, this guy is one of the most impactful characters. He and is. I never realized it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like now we're looking back at Qui-Gon Jinn going, he is the real Jedi Master. He was the best. And no one agreed with him. Um, the well, that's the uh, thing is he's also, I always loved his rebellious attitude and like, like he was going to do what he thought was right, no matter what the Jedi Council said. And like, there's a real like rebelliousness to that, that I, I always liked him, but as the years go on, I appreciate him more and more because he just, he is one of the few guys who had the balls to stand up to the Jedi Council. And I, that's just awesome. So, right. Um, did you guys, did you guys watch Star Wars Gallery when it came out? Like the whole yeah. round of it? Like, I think it's the second episode of Star Wars Gallery, the, the, the very second episode they ever shot. Uh, Dave Filoni talks about the duel of the fate sequence, about how you can draw a direct line from the duel with, um, Darth Maul and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan to Luke's duel with Vader on the Death Star. There's a direct correlation there because the duel of the fates, the fates that they were referring to was Anakin and Vader. And um, Qui-Gon Jinn dying is what sets Anakin on the path to become Darth Vader because Qui-Gon is supposed to be the father figure that he never had. And because Qui-Gon's death happened, Obi-Wan had to teach him, but Obi-Wan wasn't the father figure. Obi-Wan was a brother. He was looked at as a friend and a brother as a companion, not the father figure he needed. So he was raised incorrectly to begin with, which brought him up to becoming Darth Vader. And then the direct line from there to when he has to save his kid is like, I'm going to be the father to my son that I never got to that I never got, and that's why I'm going to save my son now. And that's where the duel of the fates really is, and that's why it's it's that it's that callback to that. Um, when Dave Filoni talks about it, he does it way more justice than I just did, but it's it's just awesome when you think about it on that scale. And that's something you can only look at when you viewed the whole thing and you're going back and rewatching anyway. But the idea of all that, it's just amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> Where does this fall for you guys? Um, my list right now, because of how excited I was about Episode One, holds at Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, Phantom Menace, and then New Hope. But those are my top four. We haven't gotten into five. We're gonna bump it off, but that's where I sit. So, you guys, go ahead. Uh, so, if you asked me, if you asked a younger Peter in uh, 1999 where this movie sat, this would be my number one Star Wars sure. movie. <laughs> like, this came out, I was in sixth grade. It was the greatest movie I'd ever seen. I loved it. Um, nowadays, it actually is number four on my list. It sits below the original trilogy. And that's okay. just because, as you know, as I've grown older, I just really appreciate the... Uh, there's like a perfection to the timing of the original trilogy. Like they were a little bit more limited with their special effects and stuff like that. And they had to find some different creative solutions to uh, certain issues. And I love, I really do love the Phantom Menace, but it's just not, um, not as high as on my list as it used to be. So sure. Okay. Um, all right. We move. Oh, Sean did it. Sean, Sean. Yeah. My bad. (laughs) My bad. All good. Um, so I'm going to actually, uh, disagree with Peter and follow release order, um, as best as I can remember when seeing the movies. Um, and 
currently my ranking is episode one, episode five, episode six, episode four. Wow. Nice. Okay. And I, I can definitely say that episode one was my absolute favorite at the time, um, especially because, like, my my group of friends that was very, very similar to the Big Bang Theory group of friends when we were in, like, middle school, we would all go, we would all go to the same house and, like, have, like, Saturday all-day parties. We would... Yeah. We would we would uh, scoop out the ice cream, pour Mountain Dew, and uh, no one drank anything else but Mountain Dew. We had ice cream, and it was like whatever kind of flavor you want to mix up. We would turn on episode one, or we would be playing uh, Star Wars Pod Racing on Nintendo sixty four. That was it. Sure. Yeah. So I laugh because I know the group of friends Sean's talking about, and I know there's, like, direct cor- correlations between certain people in that group and characters on the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> and it definitely makes me crack up, so. Um, yeah, all right. <laughs> and I wasn't there for any of that, so it just sounds like a good time. <laughs> um so let's uh, let's jump ahead and uh, jump forward in the timeline to 2002. Attack uh, of the Clones is coming out 20 years ago, you know, this year. Um, so 20 years ago, um, 2002, Attack of the Clones. I saw this movie uh, three times in the theater, back to back to back. Um, I saw The Midnight Show, and then I got up the next morning and saw the very first show that I could and then I broke for lunch, and then I went back to the theater and saw it a third time. Um, so that was a lot of fun, watching it that many times in the theater pretty much right away. Because um, it was kind of like you watched the movie, you couldn't blink for two and a half hours, and then you went and watched the movie a second time to actually watch the movie, and then I went and watched the movie a third time to actually watch the movie. <laughs> so um, I... There was a lot that I loved, um, and there was – it was just interesting. There was a lot of story stuff that I just wasn't expecting and directions that I was expecting to take, um, especially learning about the creation of the clones. Jedi Master Sifo-Dyas, um, seeing the Jedi Temple and the, and the way we got to see it, because we didn't get – we kind of got to see little pockets in Episode One, and now we're getting to explore this uh, the Jedi lifestyle a little bit more. Um um, learning more, seeing how the Emperor, at the time, if you were smart enough to keep up with it, you knew that Palpatine was going to become the Emperor, but watching how he manipulated his way through the Senate and manipulated things to happen and kind of coerced the puzzle pieces to lay, to lay out the way they did um, was really kind of interesting to watch. And then the introduction of Jango Fett um, and getting to see all that, um, I love Overall, I really liked the movie. I don't think it ages, in my opinion, well. And it's because of the CGI. Um, the only reason I say that is because this was the first movie to be as CGI as it is in film history. And it moved the needle so much that almost every Marvel movie is 100% CGI doing all the same tricks that Episode 2 did. Just the CGI is better. I just think the CGI does not age the way it could when you look at the practical mm-hmm. effects. Um, that is my only criticism at this point. Um, but what do you guys think? Where does it fall? Like, you know, what are we looking at? Um, I can go first because I feel like I'm going to be more of the Debbie Downer in the situation because this one falls at the bottom of my list. And I do like this movie a lot. Like, I'll watch it every time it's on TV and stuff. But 
it's honestly one of my lesser favorite Star Wars movies. And Drew, you going through all the points you did, it actually reminded me of a lot of cool parts of the movie that I don't always think about. Because when I think of episode two, I always think of the very end when they kind of have like just the Clone Wars are just starting and there's the amazing fight between uh, Yoda and Count Dooku and stuff. And that's amazing. But I always go to that end part and the rest of the movie doesn't always stick out in my memory as well. And uh, like, I, I, I do like it, like I said, but it just doesn't, it's still lower on my list. So there you go. Uh, Sean, what do you think? <laughs> uh, for me, we're sitting at, I'll go through. So one to five is one, five, two, six, four. Um, this one at ranks number three. Number one is still my favorite. Episode five, Return uh, Empire Strikes Back, is still my second favorite. Those two, like, are I think those two are going to be in my my top three for this whole game almost. Um, but uh, number two, I I didn't have the like whole Romeo Juliet complaining that most of everybody else did. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. Like, maybe it was because I was, like, kind of closer in the, like, mental-emotional age of Anakin when that movie came out um, that I was also in. So it was just, like, I'm all good with it. Um, and also, like, you're building up this sweet army that has, you know, kick-ass armor and stuff, and they're going to go and destroy a bunch of bad guys. That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> and also, like, the uh, – I think the, the one of the worst parts that happened was that I knew – the greatest surprise of episode two happened. Like I knew about it before I got to see it because it was spoiled in a trailer. Like Andy mentioned with like Drew mentioned with uh, the preview for episode one with showing the double blade lightsaber. I saw a trailer for episode two the week before I saw it in the movie, in the movie theater. And I saw Yoda with a lightsaber flipping around like a gremlin gremlin with a lightsaber and it was like too good to be true and i'm like well i can't wait to see that but it's kind of ruined at the moment um that was like one of the coolest things i'm like i just i wanted to go play lightsabers in the backyard with my brothers again like over and over and over and over and over again and also use two lightsabers because i didn't see anybody dual wield any with anything yet (laughs) um so where does this land for you peter so for for me it goes six five this unfortunately sits at the end because the other ones, they're too good. So that puts me one, two, three, four. Yeah, that's two falls at the end. That's my fifth one on the list. So mine's pretty close. I go, my list is five, six, four, one, two. So episode two is number five for me right now. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So I do think it's there is a cool generational gap going on in our list right now, though, because Sean and Drew are a decent far age apart. And I think it's uh, kind of cool that Sean and I, I know, are definitely I'm kind of skirting the line between the OT and prequel generation. And I know Sean's more in the prequel generation. So I actually appreciate the uh, differences in our list. I wasn't expecting that, to be honest. Well, it's about to get it's about to get weird because we're going to get <laughs> the realm of, we're starting to add movies and now it's our TV to, shows, yeah, yeah. So we're going to bump we're going to jump ahead to 2005 and it's time for uh, episode three to release. 
And as Peter said in episode two, the very end of episode two was the beginning of the Clone War. Episode three is the ending of the Clone War. We didn't mm-hmm. get to see any of it. We got two battles and that's it. Um, episode three delivered on level of cylinders that, um, is absolutely amazing. We got to see Anakin become Darth Vader. We got to see, um, we got to see him put on the costume for the first time. We got to see the faithful duel on Mustafar that we had learned about for so oh, long. Yeah. I had speculated or like, it's just, it's always been rumor. Like George wanted a volcano planet. Cool. I can't, is that where it was? That kind of stuff. So seeing all of this, learning the birth of the twins, seeing how order 66 took place because that order 66, in my opinion, was the biggest shock of the movie because we didn't know how that happened. Um, yeah. So learning all of that, um, for me, this movie is going to bump, uh, this movie is going to do a bump here. So I'm going to go five, six, three, Revenge of the Sith, um, one and four, and it's going to bump two off. So that's, ag- my, that's my current. I agree with bumping two off. Yeah. I am so, now yeah. at... I'm now at one five three six four. So this one ranks number three. All right. Yeah, it's number three for me. Peter, what are you? Where are you at with this one? Yeah. So this one, I think Revenge of the Sith is just such an amazing movie, and this is a movie that by the time this movie came out, this was my senior year of high school, and I was kind of a jaded. Um, sarcastic teenager who, when this came out, it was one of my least favorite Star Wars movies, but this had kind of has the opposite effect of episode one on me, where at this point, it's one of, I think it's one of the best. There's just so many cool story elements, and when it comes into the the fate of Padme at the end of this movie, and when you rewatch the movie 10 or 20 times, and then eventually you, you realize wait, how did Palpatine know that Padme died? Okay, there's more going on than I thought there was. And then you start researching fan theories and stuff, and you realize the end of this movie is a lot more complex and subtle than anybody gives it credit for. And I just think it's... I'm giving a very vague review, but I just think it's kind of a... It's a flawed masterpiece in a lot of ways. Like, there's some flaws. There's some parts of the movie that I think are clunky, but I also think there's some master level storytelling in there as well. Um, so my current list is going to go episode five, episode six, episode four, then episode three, revenge of the Sith. And episode one is my number five right now. All right, cool. Um, all right. We are going to cruise along a little farther to the year 2008. Um, is the realm of the dark times again, or it's the second round of it. Um, the Sith have taken over the galaxy, and we're just waiting and hoping that one day there's more Star Wars. But George said there is no more Star Wars. And then they release The Clone Wars. Um, yep. The Clone Wars, yes, it's a television show, but a lot of people forget that it is. it was an animated film that got released, a full theatrical release first in 2008. Um, that's a magical year because that's the beginning of the MCU. It's the beginning of, uh, it's when the Dark Knight released, um, forgetting Sarah Marshall. Did Clone Wars year. really come out that same year? Yes, it did. Yeah, that's <laughs> crazy. And a lot of people forget about it. And it's so funny when people were like, what are you doing this weekend? I'm like, well, Star Wars movie is releasing. And they're like, what are you talking about Star Wars? 
Like, I, I just think it was a couple of years. I thought it was a couple of years before that, but that no, is crazy. It was, it was 2008, and when I would say a Star Wars movie, so I'm going to see the Star Wars movie, people are like, what are you talking about? Like, they didn't yeah. know. And when I, when I was like, well, it's the animated one, they're like, well, that's not a Star Wars movie. I'm like, yes, it is. And here we are, Mandalorian's coming out, and people are starting to ask questions about backstory. I'm like, oh, you didn't watch Clone Wars, did you? <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Um, here we are with the Clone Wars, not just the film, but the television show. Now, the television show has got a much bigger, broader scope and has more time to tell storytelling. Um, and I love the show. There's so much good stuff. Um, I will say, as a critique, the show in the first season was really still trying to figure out what kind of show it is and really find its legs. But by the end of that first season, they found their legs, and they are off and running, and it's some of the best Star Wars storytelling there is, in my opinion. Um, but I do think there's a couple episodes you kind of got to muscle through a little bit in that first season. But the film itself really surprised me. They did a lot of cool, unique stuff. The animation was great. Um, this is not going to change my list so much as it's going to fill a uh, honorable mention for me. Um, so the Clone Wars film hits an honorable mention at this point. It does not change my list. Um, I don't know about you guys. So are we including the show or just the movie? Well, yeah, I was going to ask that as well. So originally when Peter and I were talking about doing this, I'm like, let's do the shows too. But it's really hard to do the shows because they're such large, encompassing things. Like Mandalorian has so much time to tell a story that the movies don't. So I kind of want to take the shows out of the equation and just do the films, if that's all right with you guys. Um, that's fair. I mean, for time's sake, I guess that and, works. You know, so. and, and we're going to, and we have so much Star Wars coming down the pipe. It's going to, you know, so just for time's sake, we're just going to do the movies if that's all right. I probably should have told we're you gr- at the beginning of the show, but. No, we're going to have a top five list of our top five favorite Star Wars shows in a couple of years, I think. So. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> exactly. that's a good point. So, yeah, so I don't know where this falls for you guys. For me, it's an honorable mention. Um, but, you know, meeting Ahsoka for the first time and, you know, learning about this new character that we're all about to fall in love with. You know what I mean? Like, just this movie did um, a lot of really great things. So Yeah, I, th- I think that um, for me, it's on, it's sitting in an honorable mention spot as well. Um, it's right below episode one for me. So it would be like the sixth spot on my ranking right now. But I do like this movie a lot. I think it actually holds up a lot better than I thought it would. Um, It's a really fun watch. And like you said, it kicked off the Clone Wars series, which is just amazing. And uh, the one thing that this movie has a lot of, which... I've mentioned a lot of times on the show, but I really love huts, and uh, there's definitely multiple hut elements of this movie, which is really fun. So, um, movie, but they do it. There's a whole story arc that um, this is like a four episode story arc in the Clone Wars show that dealt deals with uh, the huts. Yeah, well, I was just saying in the movie, with. there's like there's so much to do with Zero the Hut, and I can't remember the uh, the baby hut that was it's a big arc. There you go. So yeah, yeah, great hut action in this in this yep. movie. <laughs> so. um, all right, I am torn on this movie because there was so much cool stuff, but so many stupid things that I did not care for. And um, <laughs> I really i I like the huts like uh, like Peter, but um, I I thought Zero was kind of a, a a pointless and pathetic character that I really didn't want him. And I was not interested in taking care of a baby at that time in my life. Um, that, you know, I, I respect you having it as an honorable mention, but it's not even an honorable mention for me. I'm still 
one five three six four. Sure, that's fair. Um, no, that's, I'm the Debbie Downer. That's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, all right, we are jumping ahead, and here we are thinking that's it for Star Wars, and then Disney makes the giant Lucasfilm accusation or accusation, the big Lucasfilm. <laughs> Not accusation, but um, what's the word I'm looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not accusation. What's funny no, is that I just thought it was so funny I can't remember the acquisition. Word acquisition. Acquisition. Perfect. Not accusation. Acquisition. Wow, English is hard. Um, okay. Um, the great annex. Yeah, the great the great Lucasfilm annex to Disney. Um, Disney announces that they're going to make a Star Wars movie every single year which, as we've learned, is not the smartest thing to happen. Um, but um, we need time to process. I need, Here's the thing. I had multiple years between each Star Wars release leading up to this point to really watch over and over and over and over and over and over again and, like, not like the movie anymore for the next one to come out. <laughs> you know, um, that never happened. I've never waned on my Star Wars fandom, but my point is the fact that I've never burned a movie to death thinking to myself, I can't wait for the next one. And I just didn't have time in the Disney regime until recently. So, um, the first movie out the gate in 2015 is Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Um, this movie had on a lot of cylinders. Um, this movie got me really excited to the possibility of what was going to happen. It laid out a lot of great story threads that I was really excited to see where they were going to go. Um, I know it got a lot of, it did get criticism being a rehash of the first film. Um, there are elements that are definitely callbacks, and I don't want to use the word rehash because I disagree with that phrasing of it. But if you really pay attention, it's not as rehashed as everyone makes it sound. Um, so... Like, when people, like, talk about, you know, well, they just did another Death Star. Well, they kind of did, but they told you in the opening crawl that the First Order was building out of the ashes of the Empire. So that says to me that they said, well, this is how the Empire did it. We're just going to do it bigger and better. This sounds like a good way to go, you know. Um, and everything that the First Order did in comparison to the Empire was bigger because they just were like, well, the Empire didn't do it big enough, so we need to do it bigger. Um all the stuff with Ray, how powerful is she? The stuff with Kylo Ren, who's this cool guy? Learning that he's, you know, Han Solo's kid, that's fantastic. That makes it exciting. There was so much done right with this. Um, we essentially got another Death Star trench run, but it was awesome because those new X-Wings were gorgeous. Um, the shot of the X-Wings over the water and watching them kick up the water from the downdraft was just brilliant to watch. Um, a lot of great stuff. Um why don't you guys talk about it while I try and figure out where this lands on my list because something might have to get bumped for this. But, uh, yeah, go ahead. I have well, so for... much to say about oh. this movie. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Peter. Um, no, go ahead. This is uh, – so I, I, uh, I can give my, my ranking later, but this is definitely at, at release. This is my absolute favorite Star Wars movie. Um, it annoys the poop out of me when people don't like it for whatever dumb reason. Like they think <laughs> Kylo is a crybaby or they repeated or rehashed this or that, or, you know, it's fan candy here and there. I don't care. This is one of the best, uh, Star Wars movies when it, when it released, I think I saw this movie at least four, if not more times in the movie theater. I've never watched a movie multiple times before it released. Like, like I'll see it once in the theater and then I'll wait for it to, like, come out on, on DVD or, or whatever. 
I saw this movie multiple times, at least four times. It was the first time I saw it more than once. First movie that I saw more than once in the movie theaters. Kylo Ren, at this point in releases, is the <sighs> most impressive Force user in yes. Star Wars. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, we've seen people use double-bladed lightsabers. We've seen people dual-wield lightsabers. We've seen people use the Force and use their lightsaber at the same time. I have never seen someone... Well, I've seen someone stop a blast from a blaster with their hand. I've seen someone catch lightning and throw it back with their hand. I have never seen somebody pause a blaster shot. Um, I hear an entire conversation. Kill a guy and then let the blast go. I've also never seen somebody take a a Wookiee bowcaster shot to the lung, hike and climb for an entire half an hour to find his adversaries. (laughs) <laughs> continuing to bleed out, talk with them, and beat at least one of them to finally, like, get defeated in a fight. Like, I I, I have nothing but good things to say about you know, that guy. What's great is I don't know if we've ever really talked about The Force Awakens, Sean, just in general. Yeah. I just don't know if you and I have ever really <laughs> talked about it. <laughs> I love The Force Awakens. It is so cool, and there's so many good things, and, like, Anyone who wants to say that, like, oh, they're, like, you know, just rehashing things to give fan candy, to get more viewers, blah, blah, blah. They recreated the first, like, episode four and episode six. Like, no, this is what happens every time a regime falls. The remnants are there. Those who are following in their footsteps think that, like, they're more more, uh, uh, arrogant than their leader before them. They use the same army tactic, but it's got to be bigger and stronger. They, they're like, well, you know, they tried this one thing. Yeah, but it didn't work. Yeah, but what if we make it bigger and stronger? Yeah, that'll definitely work. And they make the the same mistakes as their yeah, predecessors. Like, we're going to do a Death Star, but it's going to be bigger and badder. And that's what always <laughs> happens. They, their arrogance gives them overconfidence, just like the Britons in what, what battle was it? Lexington and Concord, and they finally started to lose the revolution. Um, it's like, it's the same thing. Every single... Um, remnants, they always have those same flaws, and we just got to watch basically history, but through the Star Wars lens, and I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, Nice. Wow, alright, I was not expecting you to say this is your favorite Star Wars movie of all time, to be completely honest, I was not expecting that. So, for me, this is going to bump a little bit, so my list now goes 5, 6, 3, 7, 4, and then my honorable wow. mentions and my honorable mentions hit Clone Wars in episode one. So um, for me, um, I actually think I should have gone first because I'm going to be the Debbie Downer. Again. That's all <laughs> no, good. Again. Um, for me, episode seven was amazing to see. There's so much hype and excitement that like Star Wars is finally back. And I've mentioned it so many times, but I almost rolled a tear when that opening crawl started in the theater because it was just this feeling of this is something that I'm experiencing right now that has been missing from my life for so many years, seeing a new Star Wars film in theaters. And I can't believe that, like, I didn't know I was missing this feeling, but experiencing it right now, it was just nostalgic and it just made me get emotional and tear up. And it was amazing as my distance from this movie goes. And I do really, really like this movie. Like it's one of my favorites out of the Disney like sequel trilogy. I think a lot of the things that people didn't like about The Last Jedi 
were started in The Force Awakens. Like, I think the idea of Luke going off into isolation, that's a concept that started in The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. Han being kind of a failed parent and him uh, passing away, that's something from The Force Awakens. There's all these, like, elements from The Force Awakens that I think influenced The Last Jedi, and I think a lot of the complaints people have about The Last Jedi actually began in this movie. And I think... Like I said, I do actually really like this movie a lot, but I think it did start a few issues, which makes it not make my final top five, even though it was an amazing experience to see, and I do still appreciate it. It's one of the, it's one of those things, if I'm going to watch a Star Wars movie, this is one of my first go-tos, but it just, it, it doesn't break my final list for that, so. Right on. That's all right. Um, yeah, okay. Well, let's jump ahead to 2016. And uh, we're going to jump a little bit backwards in the timeline. Um, and that hits us when I say backwards in the timeline, backwards in the timeline of the story. And this is where we get Rogue One. Um, now, Rogue One is the first uh, Star Wars story, or the first of the um, not uh, numbered films, if you will. Um, this is the no main characters. Like these are not characters we're familiar with. And I remember walking into the movie going, I think everyone's going to die. Um, and, but here's the thing. We got a basic, we got a star Wars espionage story about stealing the death star plans and how it got to, from point a to point B to the opening of a new hope. It made me like, first off seeing that 90 minute, that 90 minute, that 90 second scene of Darth Vader just slaughtering rebels on the, uh, on the tan of four <laughs> was, was just mind blowing. But then you got, um, but then, you know, the space battle at the end, dude, once those X wings like go through hyperspace and like, here we go, this is going to be amazing. It's one of the coolest space battles in all of star Wars period. Um, the espionage story, learning about the Death Star um, plans and how it pertained to, you know, Galen or so and Jyn or so and the backstory and everything. I loved that. Um, my only real criticism of the movie was, um, honestly, Forrest Whitaker's character. Um, uh, really? Saw Gerrera. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I didn't like Saw Gerrera in Clone Wars. I did not like the character at all. Um, he, he's actually... He pretty in, dumb in Clone Wars. In Clone Wars, he has a sister whose name I'm drawing a blank on right now, but his sister was the more compelling character between the two, and she, okay. ended, up, she ended up dying in the Clone Wars. When I found out that Saw Gerrera was going to be in this, I was like, man, I almost wish it was the other way around, and it was his sister that was going to be in this, and Saw was the one who perished in the Clone Wars. I just, I mean, Forrest Whitaker's a great actor, and I have nothing wrong with him in the movie, but it was just like I didn't like the character in Clone Wars, so it didn't help me translate any much when I saw it in the movie. But the movie as a whole was great. Gareth Edwards was told to go make a war film, and he made a war film. Um, it's just, well, it's, you know, go ahead. For me, just commenting on the Sagar era thing, I thought that, uh, I don't know, like, I actually typically don't, 
I don't know what it is. Like, a lot of times Forrest Whitaker, like, I don't like that much as an actor. But in this movie, I just felt like he played that role so well. And he was, like, really believable as a character and stuff. And I really, actually, really loved him in that role. I also liked that he's a character from the Clone Wars. And at this point, this was the first time we actually saw a Disney Star Wars movie sort of embrace the sequels. Like, you had uh, Saw Gerrera in there. You had, at a certain scene, I know there's a Gungan in the background and stuff. And I really, and I don't know if that's Disney's doing or Gareth Edwards doing or how it worked, but I really felt like this was the first movie out of the Disney ones, which I guess it's only the second one released. But this is the first time I felt like they were embracing the saga as a whole, as opposed to just the original trilogy. And I really loved that. And then I also just really loved the all the planets and the environments in this movie are really well thought out and really like the world building in this movie is great. And I think, especially when you look at Jeddah and you look at the, and you look at all the planets in this movie, um, it's just so well thought out and so unique. Like each one has unique characteristics. And I felt like that was really true to George Lucas's world building in the original trilogy, as well as the, uh, prequels, you know, like George Lucas was always really all about world building. And I thought this movie really took that in, in mind with its creation. So agreed. And I'm going to, I don't know. Um, I, I really wish they would have spent more time with Jeddah. Um, that's just a, oh, yeah. it's a city and environment that I, I just, I know it was another, I guess you could say Jedi, uh, desert planet because there's a lot of those in the Star Wars universe, but I, the city itself really intrigued me and like what else is there. There's a chance we're going to see Jeddah again when the Andor series comes out. You know what I mean? We're not, we oh, don't, good call. so we could get some more of this. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Sean's thoughts really on Rogue One? Yeah, um, so I still have the same ranking, and this movie is an honorable mention, but uh, Shoot Imwe is my second favorite Star Wars character. Yes. Um, so, go ahead. <laughs> one, of the, um, one of the things I love about Star Wars is the, uh, the fantastical um, aspect of it, and how there's this weird, like, um, there's this weird mythic thing and the force, like we we understood the force as like this this power, this energy that you can interact with somehow. Um, and then in episode one, you have like this scientific um, justification of it. So Star Wars is still completely science fiction um, because there's actually science to the fiction, so to speak. And then when we get to uh, when we get to Rogue One, we're pulled back into the faith idea. Um, he's like one of my favorite quotes of Star Wars is uh, from Darth Vader. You know, it's the bad guy that really understands the big picture. Um, because there's that there's that quote that's uh, appropriated for so many like dumb holiday things of like I find your holiday spirit like your lack of holiday spirit disturbing, or I find your lack of cheer disturbing. Like no, the actual quote is I find your lack of faith disturbing. And that was one of the things that I like most about Vader is that like he understands where that idea of the the situation of like religion and fact coincide and sure in way bringing back the whole uh, part of like interacting with the force in that, you know, faith or belief system. I just, I thought that was so cool. Um, and the, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's fantastic, but, um, I, I have to keep it as an honorable mention because it's not a episode and personally episodes like rank higher always. Right. 
Uh, <laughs> this is, this is going to bump, for me, this is going to bump Clone Wars out of the honorable mention slot for Rogue One. Um, so my, my, my list stays, but my honorable mentions get adjusted a little bit. What I was going to so, say about, go ahead. I'll keep going. No, 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 go, go ahead. Okay, what I was going to say about Cheerit, uh, in a way, as cool as a character as he is, the thing that bugs me about the way the fans latched onto him is he's got that mantra, like, later on before his character dies in the movie where he's got the he, the mantra that he repeats over and over again where he says, I'm one of the Force and the Force is with me, I'm one of the Force, the Force is with me. It's a cool moment. It's a great character moment. But I feel like it's not the line that should have been latched onto because he's got a line very early, like, when the character was introduced, that I was like, that's the line and it's so perfect in terms of explaining the force and the storm he's, he's walking out to it's right before he beats up all the stormtroopers single-handedly mm-hmm. and he's walking out and they made a comment to him and he goes um and he says i fear nothing all is as the force wills it yeah that's nice. the line and i'm like why is that not the line that got latched onto in comparison to the other one i'm sorry but that's all is is the force wills it it's so amazing when you look at what these branch this when you look at what the force is about and all that stuff and everything you've dealt with for the past 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 movies come on you know so anyway um peter you were going to say something that's all i had to say about Sherrod, so yeah well yeah um so I was just going to comment on my ranking because it sounds like Rogue One at this point is the only, I'm the only one who has it in my top five because my list right now is episode five, episode six, episode four, episode three, and then Rogue One, which bumps uh, episode one to an honorable mention for me as well as uh, The Force Awakens is in my honorable mentions oh, right now. So All right. All right. Well, we're going to jump ahead to 2017 and... Um, here we are, the most divisive part of the Star Wars <laughs> franchise. I can see Sean's head shaking because Sean hates this movie. Um, and I'm going to try to keep us from arguing, but I actually think Last Jedi is one of the better Star Wars movies. Um, I think when, and this is all in hindsight, so we've seen all these movies before. and We're looking at, we're trying to look at them through a different prism. I think that Ryan Johnson understood Star Wars better than J.J. Abrams did. I really do. And it's and I could be wrong, but it's the work that got turned out. One of my frustrations with J.J. Abrams' filmmaking is he shoots so tight that you can't... I don't feel like you can see anything through a lot of action sequences, where George would shoot wide so you can see what's going on, and you can see all this cool stuff. And they spend, like tons of money on this like cool new tie fighter and you barely get to see it because abram shot too close um where ryan johnson i think understood the mythology of the storytelling in a way abrams did not um and i definitely got that feel from force awakens where all the environments they went to all the different planets i felt like you didn't get to see them as much as other Star Wars movies. And so I think that directly relates to what you're talking about on the tight shots and stuff like that. Right. Like everything well, in that movie felt more like a set as opposed to like an expansive environment to me. Yeah. But and I'll be, going. I'll be talking about that a little bit more when we get to the last movie on the list. Um, but episode eight, like, and I know people are like, I know people criticize the Luke 
being a hermit and turning his back on the force and all that stuff. But when I, there's a lot of people that do that. And Sean's shaking his head, which means he agrees with me at this point, which is nice. But I love, and it's not, I don't love that he did this because it was a hard pill to swallow at first. But when you really analyze it, he thought he failed. He thought he messed up. And he looked back at his mentors, Obi-Wan and Yoda. They're the only two Jedi he knew that taught him. They, what did they do? When they thought they messed up, when they failed, they turtled away, they hid, they, they, I don't want to say they cut themselves off from the force, but maybe they did. Yoda very well could have cut himself off from the force just to hide from the Empire because they were looking for Jedis. Obi-Wan could have done it too. And when you watch the Obi-Wan show and you see some of how Obi-Wan survived over the past 10 years, it's kind of like, well, yeah, Luke kind of did the same thing, you know, um, he looked at his he looked at his mentors for advice. Even though they weren't around, he looked at his mentors for advice, so he went and did what he knew was right. Um I liked episode 7, be, I'm sorry, episode 8 because it opened the door for many, many, many possibilities to come. And it gave me a sense of urgency to be I can't wait to see where this is going. Especially when you, and you, you know, when you guys say, um, who did you, Sean, who did you say is the, oh, Kylo Ren's the most powerful force user of all time. And when you're absolutely you were, the most impressive force user. And when, one thing that I forgot to mention is that he can literally pull thoughts from your mind by sure. using the force. Sure. Well, I, the thing that I think trumps that statement is force projection. Um, you know, that's the one thing that Star Wars has done over the course of every single movie. If you watch it in timeline order, you don't get the same progression of the force learning the way the audience the way the audience learns about the force when you watch it in release order is you learn something new about the force every single time. And here we are, we're getting into episode 8 and we're learning about um the communication between Kylo and Rey and how they're communicating through the force in this really weird Force phone calls, if you will. Um, but at the same time, seeing the force projection and you're just like, holy crap, was that amazing? Um, because you didn't see it coming. And I just know that, like, you know, you can, oh, hey, it's impressive. Oh my gosh, I've never seen anyone freeze a lightsaber, uh, sorry, freeze a blaster bolt before. But then Luke projects himself across the galaxy to this whole other planet. That was mind blowing. That was the cheer moment. That's the moment where you're going, of course, he is the last Jedi. He is the Jedi, you know. Um, so overall, I really liked eight. And the more I think about it, the more I really like the movie. My only problem with the movie is the whole Canto bite sequence. Because (laughs) for a couple reasons, one, the code breaker should have been Lando. I'm sorry. It should have been. Yeah. Two, that whole sequence felt like they didn't know what to do with Finn. They're like, yeah. they, gave, they gave Finn an adventure because they didn't know what to do with him. And they're like, it's almost like we don't know how to deal with this many characters, so let's just do this whole sequence for the sake of doing it and call it a day. That's the And it felt like they kind of phoned that section in. But I'm okay with it ultimately because at the end I really enjoyed the movie. Sorry, Star Wars community, but I did. Um, <laughs> all right. Peter, Sean, thoughts? We're running I very hear, long. We're running very long, but that's okay. I want to hear Sean's thoughts because I think I'm going to bring it back around uh, after him. So if that um, makes sense. So this movie changes my order ranking. So I have to readjust what's in what place. 
I'm at uh with the release of episode eight, I am currently at five, six, seven, four, and then one with Rogue and episode three as honorable mentions. I detest episode eight wholeheartedly. Um, <laughs> I I there's 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 a lot of cool things in episode eight, but there's so much wrong with that film that it needs to be rewritten, it needs to be refilmed, and it needs to be re-released. Um, Luke going off and, you know, hermitizing because he feels like he failed. Absolutely. I mean, you look at when Jesus was crucified, all but one of his disciples ran and hid out of fear, out of shame, out of whatever it was. Like, they all scattered, just like he did. You know, maybe Yoda was, Yoda and Obi-Wan were the only uh, Jedi's that we know about that like didn't cut themselves off from the Force. Um, there, there's so many wrong things in this film because there's so much like disruption to Star Wars that it it just irks me every time I see it. Um, <laughs> like the the amount of comedy, and we we talked about it a little bit. I think the the last time that I was on um, the. Uh, like, Ryan Johnson makes good movies. I don't think he should ever be connected to Star Wars because he can make fantastic thrillers, fantastic comedy moments and whatnot, but that's not what Star Wars is. Star Wars is a a fantasy epic from a theater put into your screen. Um, I could go on and on, but I don't want to get too drowned in. Uh, I, but, like, this episode three tenth taints episode seven that it like bumps me bumps it down on my list and i didn't want it like every time that episode eight comes up i don't want to talk about episode seven or kylo ren anymore in that <laughs> <conversation>. okay <laughs> all so right it's at the bottom of your list right eight eight doesn't exist eight is here <laughs> yeah okay so i that's the reason why i wanted sean to talk first is because I think I had a lot more positive to say about this movie. Uh, when this movie came out, uh, I actually thought it was possibly my favorite Star Wars movie. I really, I thought a theater going experience, I loved The Last Jedi because it just, I know like people use the word subversive, subversive as like a dirty word w- discussing this movie nowadays, but I did love how it subverted so many expectations you had. And it was Right off the bat, the movie was full of suspense. I loved the um, the whole movie. Like, the entire movie takes place over, like, a giant chase scene going between two uh, spaceships, like Snoke ships and the Resistance ships. And I think it was just so a great way to just build suspense the whole time. And part of the reason, like, a lot of the things people don't like about this movie, like Ryan Johnson killed off Snoke and all these different things... I almost feel, and we've talked about this on the podcast, I almost feel like, Drew, we've talked about this a lot, where it seems like there wasn't a clear outline of where they were supposed to go with each movie. And I almost feel like Ryan Johnson might have gotten this movie and was just like, so I can literally do whatever I want? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, okay then. And he does a bunch of crazy stuff. And uh, I feel like it's one of those things that it might be more of like the Disney Lucasfilm higher-ups position where they should have had 
certain story beats in place and stuff for the directors going in. This is all, I don't know if this is true. This is just kind of my feelings, but I still do really like this movie. I loved the force projection stuff. I loved the, um, all, I, I just love the way stuff plays out, played out. I do agree with Drew, like, the Canto bite sequence is kind of the big letdown of the film. But even as far as Luke Skywalker's fate, I think if he had to go out, I think he did go out in a very badass way. And I think because it involved force projection, people don't realize how badass of a way that actually was to go out, if that makes sense. So I actually like this movie a lot. Going back to my ranking, this is going to take my number five spot on my list. So my list goes... Five, six, four, three, eight, The Last Jedi, and then Rogue One, and then Episode One are honorable mentions. So interesting. All right. Well, what I can tell you, Peter, specifically, is that the uh um we know that one of the things that Kathleen Kennedy's um asked uh JJ when they were trying to talk him into it is like we wanna one of the things we want to be able to explore is who is Luke Skywalker. That was the question that made JJ go, That's interesting. Let's let's explore that. Who is Luke Skywalker? But when you watch The Force Awakens, that never really he never really answered the question. Yep. He didn't really even explore that. Um and then he kinda left it to Ryan Johnson and Ryan Johnson goes and explores the who is Luke Skywalker and then everyone just destroys Ryan Johnson for what he did. Like everyone, like the way they rake, the way they disrupt, the way they criticize the movie. And then Abrams goes in and makes, you know, another movie. And it's like, he's trying to clean up what Ryan Johnson made a mess of. But what we do know is that Ryan Johnson was writing the script for episode eight while they were shooting episode, mm-hmm. nine, while they were shooting episode seven. And you're just like, okay, but you haven't seen the fallout yet. You haven't even seen the movie. You haven't seen how this plays out. So it's that we basically got to see George Lucas create a whole bunch of Star Wars movies based on his plan and his vision that he's been building over the years for such a long time. And then now we get to see what it looks like when Star Wars is made by committee and focus groups. And uh, I don't like it. Yeah. And that's and that's the problem. <laughs> Um, well, there's also like the aspect of if it's a singular person with a singular vision creating a film and then they uh, if even if they make a mistake, they they still know about that mistake and realize like, OK, I need to make this work where sometimes with committee like communication doesn't happen and things don't play out the way they should. Sure. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not explaining this the best way I could, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Um, let's jump ahead to 2018 and, uh, talk about Solo. This is going to go back in the timeline and, uh, we're going to talk about Solo. This is another, uh, this is a legacy character being recast. Um, I, you know what? There's a lot of people that say they didn't see Han Solo and Alden Ehrenreich's, um, performance. I did. I, overall, I I did. I liked this movie a lot. I was in from the beginning. It's it's a really fun heist movie, and that's ultimately what they were trying to tell. But they were trying to tell a story with a character that, you know, um, we loved over the years. Um, they didn't really have to do anything with lightsabers. You know what I mean? They just were telling a good story, um, and they had a lot of nice surprises in the end. Um, we got to see where he got, how he got the Falcon, even though we kind of already knew. We got to see the meeting in mm-hmm. Chewbacca and all that stuff. 
Um, I really like Kira as a character. I loved what happened with Dryden Voss. Woody Harrelson was great in the movie um, as Beckett. Um, the surprise with Darth Maul at the end, what I loved mm-hmm. about that is my phone lit up after that movie came out and people are asking all these questions, like, didn't Darth Maul die? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you guys didn't watch The Clone Wars, so you don't know. You know, where it's the, I was telling you guys all this time, you need to be watching this important TV show, and no one listened to me, and here they are asking questions. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that show's really important. Yes, it is. Um, so, yeah, Darth Maul's return, it was fantastic. Um, so, that being said, um, Solo, as much as I like the movie, it does not change my list order at all, unfortunately. Um, but it is, I do really, really enjoy it. Um, your guys' thoughts? Yeah, for for me, I think it's right between, I want to say it's right between episode one and episode seven for me, so it's like right below my honorable mentions, but it's, uh, I liked the movie a lot, and uh, related to Alden Ehrenreich, I was really skeptical going in, and within the first 30 seconds of hearing him talk in the movie, I was like, I bought it. Like, I'm like, okay, this is how Han Solo, I can get on board with this. So I was really impressed with that. And of course I loved the Darth Maul connection. You mentioned at the end, at the end of the film drew Darth Maul is definitely one of my favorite characters in star Wars. Um, and I also really loved just some of the different creatures and stuff they had. I loved, uh, lady Proxima. Like she was so freaking cool, such a cool villain to like open the film with and stuff. So, um, but yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't change my list, unfortunately. All right. This, this movie was very fun. Um, very interesting, much better and relieving than episode eight. (laughs) it 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 doesn't it doesn't make my list and i wouldn't put it as an honorable mention um but like i really i I did enjoy it i think my favorite part of the movie was the beginning um when they're on the i can't remember what planet it was but him and the girl were basically like you know uh lower level slaves of some person and he uh they escape on a speeder and they're like driving away from the police that are all stormtrooper police um which was kind of a, a fun thing and they're uh the police the stormtrooper police have these um you can just say stormtroopers yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 storm, stormtrooper um, police cops <laughs> <laughs> you know the police cops yeah, yeah the, you know the SWAT stormtroopers um yeah they were pretty sweet I think they also had like a dog type of a deal too. I didn't, oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't picture Han Solo also kind of like jumping into military and then like escaping military too because he wasn't supposed to be in it or anything. Um, that was there. There was a lot of fun things. Um, yeah, not too much to say about Solo. Where's it set on your list? It it doesn't make my list. Okay, so it's, so it's, it's below it's your honorable mentions, but yeah, it's not a it's not a bad one, but it just kind of it it came out. I enjoyed it. Uh, my girlfriend likes it a lot more than I do, but um, it's just it, it's another Star Wars movie. I had a great time, but I'm ready for the next one. Hoping for the next one now. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. Um, that said, we jump ahead to 2019, the last Star Wars movie to come out, um, and that would be Episode Nine: The Rise of the Skywalker. Um, 
This is where I talked about Abrams. This is, all right, Abrams felt he had to clean up a lot of stuff from episode eight because he clearly didn't like Ryan Johnson's movie. At least I'm not a hunter. I don't know. I'm just speculating. It just feels yeah. that way when you watch the movies. There was a lot of cool ideas in this movie. Um, one, I loved the idea of going back to the, uh, the crashed second Death Star that we thought was gone. Um, I loved seeing Dark Ray. I loved the idea of, you know, what was going on with her Force abilities. Um, I Dude, the, the light speed skipping was awesome, how they opened the movie with that. That was just fantastic. Um, I cannot get behind the idea of a Sith Wayfinder. Um, they have a thing called the Jedi Holocron and Sith Holocrons, which have been brought up in dialogue and other movies and television shows and all that stuff. And they created a whole new thing and call it a Sith Wayfinder. What? No, just make it a holocron because that makes more sense because it's something we already know what it is. I felt like I didn't, I didn't really understand that. I'm like, no, it's a holocron. Um, the, um, I love, I really liked Zori Bliss. I thought she was a really cool character and going to, uh, Kajimi, um, that planet I really thought was incredible. Um, I did think the 3PO Babu Freak sequence was weird. But I'm okay with it for what they were trying to achieve, because why not? It made a cool, touching moment. Um, when I talked about Abrams shooting too tight, this yes. is a, this is a this this movie is the best example of Abrams shooting way too tight. They have these really cool new Sith stormtroopers. You don't get to see them at all on screen; like they're barely there. These new Tie Fighters, they're barely there. There's just not enough because they were shooting so tight and they were making the cuts so fast. Like they were trying to build the anticity with these fast cuts. And I'm like, guys, slow down. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff that we all want to see and fans want to pour and nitpick. And I don't have time to pause because the cut's not long enough. Um, <laughs> they basically should have just had in the crawl, forget episode eight. This is what really happens. Sure. Um, making Ray a Palpatine, I honestly, in hindsight, I think it's I think it's a really bold choice, and I think it's an interesting choice because of the concept of the dyad of the force between Ray and Kylo Ren. Um, it's the dyad being a new word, and us going, "What's a dyad? How does this work?" What's really compelling is Ray being the daughter of the granddaughter of Palpatine, and Kylo Ren being the grandson of Darth Vader. When you break Star Wars down into the two pillars. You have Palpatine and Vader. And then here we are, not in a history repeats itself so much, but in a we need to destroy the Sith and fulfill this whole other thing. We get two yeah. characters that are the embodiment of the other of the original two characters that we dealt with from the beginning. And that made that really compelling to me. And I thought that was a really cool idea. Um I know people have problems with the Palpatine thing, and I know people have problems with the Ray claiming to be a Skywalker in the end, but it was more of an honorable thing. I actually honestly thought that um, Skywalker isn't necessarily a name so much as it's a title. Like, if we were to catch up with Ray now, she'd be called, like, instead of calling themselves Jedis, they'd be calling themselves Skywalkers. I actually right. thought that was a cool idea. Sean's shaking his head, and he disagrees with me. Like I said, it's an idea, and I'm not writing Star Wars. I just thought the idea was cool. That way she's not actually a star, she's not actually a Skywalker so much as she is by title. Um, and then people so, stop their whining, but you know. 
Well, what what you're all what everything you're saying is making it like to me, it's making it sound like the movie was more well thought out than what I was honestly left with, because to me, um, I don't know. The Palpatine stuff is like conceptually it's there's some really cool concepts in there. But for me, it just felt so shoehorned in to the last movie of this trilogy. And like I felt like the first two movies, like they made up. They made out Snoke to be the big baddie, and then he died in The Last Jedi. But I had this, like, crazy theory that, like, since The Last Jedi focused so much on force projection and, like, how powerful Luke had to be to do the kind of force projection stuff he did at the end of that movie, what if Snoke was that much more powerful that when we actually saw Snoke in like the throne room in his ship, what if that was a force projection and he was so powerful that he could fake his death through mm. force projection? And I thought there's going to be something. I thought the themes from the first two movies in this trilogy were going to culminate into something to do with Snoke in the end. But then when it kind of revealed like what Snoke was, that kind of felt like a throwaway thing. And it's like, like I said, like what everything you said makes it sound well thought out but watching the movie it felt like a lot of the concepts were really shoehorned in um and unfortunately i don't know i feel like this movie and episode two like i did enjoy this movie a lot when i first saw it but at this point i think this movie and episode two might be tied for my least favorite star Mm -hmm. wars movies um so it obviously doesn't make my list but i sean i don't know what your thoughts are on the rise of skywalker I actually really enjoyed and liked this one. Um, it doesn't make my cut, but I really, really did enjoy it. Um, like Drew was saying with uh, Ryan, uh, not Ryan, but J.J. Uh, Abrams fixing everything that uh, Ryan Johnson broke, like uh, many of the critics that he's heard of. Like when I saw the trailers and my friend saw the trailers, like he leaned over to me, he's like, did you uh, see Kylo Ren fixing his helmet? That's uh, pretty symbolic of J.J. fixing all the things that were screwed up in the last <laughs> movie, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> just you know. a joke. Just a joke. But you know. not a, I, I don't even think that, like, in my opinion, not everything was even fixed. Um, I Like what Peter said with, like, anything that someone wants to complain about with Episode 8, you kind of have to look back at the Episode 7 and see where all the doors were opened. I, I, I kind of agree with that uh, argument and concede to it because there were so many things that were open in episode seven that I didn't think about. It's like, oh, well, there's, you know, certain things were kind of justified by the release of that one. Episode eight was really cool. Zori Bliss had a sweet outfit, but I think she had actually the Boba Fett problem of a cool looking character and nothing cool happening with them. Um. The uh, uh, the 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 twist of Ray being a Palpatine, I think that was mind blowing. I never thought that that would happen. That was completely out of left field and, and unexpected too. Um, I think that's actually one of the coolest surprises of the sequel trilogy. Um, I I still think that a number of things could have been even cooler, but um. Those were those were pretty amazing. I love that it did come back to Palpatine. I just wish the conversations and the dialogue was a lot like more well thought out than yeah, Palpatine's back. Um 
Like, I, I think it would have been cooler to hear, like, it has always been Palpatine. Why did we think yeah. it was anybody else type of or deal? They, I wish... Like, if, if they started with a better outline, which, again, I don't know mm-hmm. if they didn't, but it seems like they didn't, and it seems like <laughs> they could have been laying seeds for this from Episode 7, mm-hmm. um, which, as far as I know, don't seem to be apparent at all, so... Right. Yeah. yeah, I really wish Snoke was still around. I, I thought that that was a cheap uh, removal of a character um, in Episode 8, but the um, the pulling back of Palpatine and where he was and then how he, like, like by the Force rebuilt himself by uh, taking advantage of the of the dyad right in front of him, that was a, a pretty insane. Uh, and uh, one of my favorite parts about Episode nine was Kylo going from a good natured innocent solo actually Skywalker he's the last Skywalker or the next Skywalker um getting twisted similar to how Anakin was however that actually happened and then redeeming himself and doing that you know, perfect sacrifice of I'm going to lay down my life for my friend um, in the end. That, like, that's that's super powerful, um, extremely epic, and possibly one of my favorite parts. So, and I agree, and I like everything you said, Sean. I'm going to go back just a little bit to Kylo Ren remaking his mask. Um. That is my least favorite alien in the entire franchise. This is the alien that puts together the mess. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and the reason Here's a silverback is, just uh, tooling around with some toys. It, the reason is, is because they didn't even try. Um, they're just like, right. we need some weird alien. Let's get a monkey, like an actual monkey, and put a helmet <laughs> on him and give him some monkeys. <laughs> like you can tell, and like they didn't even try, and it really—that's the one that really, really bugs me. Um, but you know what? That's okay. It's fine. It's Star Wars. And here's the thing. When you truly love something, you love it for the good, you love it for the bad, and you, and it's blind. And I will, I would always, agree with that. and I will always yep. have my, it, it'll be really hard to take my, like, I'll give you a legit opinion on every movie, but at the end of the day, I love Star Wars. And you know what? I love it all. Um, and well, that's like, I that, feel like I, I said a lot of, oh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just feel like I said a lot of critical things, but any of the movies we just mentioned, if I see them while flipping channels, that's what you stop and that's what you watch because yeah. it's the wars and there's going to be, it's every time wars. you watch Star Wars, there's something you notice that you didn't notice before and there's going to be some background element or character or something and it's it's just amazing how immersive uh, the this universe is. So sorry to interrupt you, Drew. I just want no, to explain it in there. You, you, keep you, going. You said it right. You know what I mean? When you watch the movie Fanboys and Bottler's brother is always complaining about Star Wars, <laughs> making fun of Star Wars, and then he shows up at the premiere and he's like, dude, I didn't think you liked this stuff. And his only response was, it's the wars, bro. Because Absolutely. it is. And that's why we're here. And it's amazing and we love it. Um, it's the wars, man. Um, so yeah, I love it all. And... What we got already is great. The shows that we got are, are just amazing. The shows to come, I can't wait for. Um, like I said, Star Wars Celebration was a couple weeks ago, and I couldn't do anything but watch. Um, so let's round this out. What are our final 
picks for the night. Um, my list goes as follows from one to the end. Five, six, three, seven, four, Rogue One, and then Episode One. Um, I know I gave you those. So in titles, that's The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Revenge of the Sith, uh, The Force Awakens, A New Hope, Rogue One, and The Phantom Menace. That's my list with the two honorable mentions at the end. Uh, Peter, what do you got? Yeah, so uh, my number one pick is uh, Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back, followed by Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, followed by Episode 4, A New Hope, followed by Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, followed by Episode 8, The Last Jedi, and my honorable mentions are Rogue One and Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. Interesting. Sean? All right, um... Finally, with all the uh, all saga completed, um, ranking top to bottom is Empire Jedi. It's Jedi. Uh, return. <laughs> <laughs> last we know Jedi. it's not the last Jedi. Come on. <laughs> I know Empire Jedi. What do you got? Empire Jedi, uh, Phantom Menace. Um. Then a new hope. Uh, the last one of the fifth, the fifth one is episode seven, Force Awakens, and then honorable mentions of episode three, Revenge of the Sith, and Rogue One. Cool. I can't believe episode three is your honorable mention. I didn't, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) It was like looking back at all of them, it was, it's just way too fast paced. And okay. I, I think I think episode three, Revenge of the Sith, is the first film where you start to like as a viewer, um, and I'm looking at the art piece that the artist made. That's the that's the first time that I started to see laziness as a viewer. Okay. And like from there I started to notice like as as a viewer to the piece of art, that's where I started to see the mistakes, that's where I started to see the flaws, um, and the things of like I know you could have done better, and I know that you are better than that. Okay. All right. Well, how about With this? respect to the artist. I got you. Well, how about this? Sean, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, Thanks that for does bring us That does bring us to the end of the show. Um so thank you for joining us tonight. You are always yeah. Welcome. Thanks a lot. There's always there's always an open seat at the table if you want to come back. Um, Peter, what are we doing next week, man? Yes. Yeah, so so I thought of this idea actually I think last week or the week before, and I'm super excited. This is something we've talked a lot a lot about on our show, but you probably never thought we were going to do a list about it. But yes, we are. Next week, I want to do our top five Mandela effects. <laughs> Well, so our top five Mandela effect scenarios, and Drew, I think this will be a pretty fun and funny conversation. Um, it will. Um, I can think of one right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's one that's in the name, so you have one right there. But with right. a quick couple of Google searches, you can find plenty of more. So I, know. I think I know. it'll be great. <laughs> um, awesome. All right, very cool. Um, well. Yeah, episode 200. Thanks to all the people who have helped make this show what it is. Thank you to our listeners. Ryan and uh, our cousin Ryan for the edits that you did. Brian for the uh, help with the help with the website and everything and loading us up. I really appreciate it. Sean, again, thank you for coming on. Um, everybody, we're not going anywhere, and we're hoping to be here for another 200. So um, 
do us a favor and check out our website. Um, there you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with the link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can hit us up on the email, social media, either way works. Um, we're on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. And you can leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Sean, since you're joining us, any, anywhere that people can find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SpleenBuster. <laughs> nice. Super right. inside joke, but we can talk about it on that on a later episode. Sure. All right. <laughs> uh, and Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at NinjaPierre. And that's where I'll be reminding you that Fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. And we all know the cure for that suffering is Grizzlebee! And <laughs> <laughs> wow. be sure to go to the Australian location. Yeah, make sure you go to the Australian location, because you get off the plane, there'll be a Grizzlebees. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, everybody, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And Sean. I'm Sean. And we'll see you (laughs) next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a good night.